the blast from our past network. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, podcasting after dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Dark Night of the Scarecrow. Starring Charles Durney, Lane Smith, and Larry Drake. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcasting After Dark. I am one half of the pad team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, is my brother from another mother, Zach, the total snackage Schaefer. And this week, we are reviewing the 1981 made-for-TV movie, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Ooh, spooky. <sighs> Did someone say Dark Knight? <sighs> no, that not, not that kind of movie. Swear to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Batman. Speaking of Dark Knight, who is your favorite Dark Knight? Michael Keaton, hands down. Yeah, With baby. a close second. Val Kilmer. Yeah, dude. I, you know, I don't hate on Val Kilmer as, as Batman. I'm not going to lie, but yeah, dude, same, same man. Michael Keaton, Batman 89, Batman Returns, fucking the bomb, baby. 89 is life. 89 <laughs> is life. Yes, it Give is. Give me that over Christian, I wear my night guard during the day bail. I'm wearing my night guard right now. Show my, I don't grind my teeth. <laughs> Scarecrow. Swear to me. <laughs> Swear to me. Did someone say scarecrow? <laughs> Guys and gals, as I said, we are reviewing Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. And I think Zach and I have the exact same experience with this film. But Zach, uh, go ahead and, and tell everyone what your history is with this movie. Zero. No, Um. I have my only experience with this is seeing the VHS box, I think, at the video store. Uh, seeing pictures of it in Fangoria from time to time, seeing it in horror history books, you know, top 50 horror movies you've never heard of, stuff like that. Very minimal, uh, very minimal experience with this film. Uh, I never saw it when it came out, and I've only seen it once when I watched it the other day. Ah, there you go. Well, my experience. <laughs> What's is, your experience? <laughs> my experience is fairly similar. Um, I had never seen it before, and uh, but I've I've heard people 
every time it comes up in conversation, people always talk about it's actually really good, uh, especially for a TV movie and everything. Um, yeah, yeah. But the reason Same. I picked this movie uh, to review. Yeah, why'd you pick this movie? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> because... It is one of uh, my pal Luke's favorite movies. I've known Luke, Luke's, Luke. Luke's in second grade. Luke, Luke. Uh, Luke's I, in second grade. That's Corey's uh, best buddy is a seven-year-old. <laughs> I've known Luke since the seventh second I know. grade. <laughs> you bastard. You bastard. No, it's just like in the movie. He, uh, Corey is a grown man that hangs out with a little child all the time. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Want to go make flowers in the field? Want to go make lays? And I crush them in my hand. <laughs> this is what you do, right? Oh. So Luke's birthday is on March 1st. Happy birthday, buddy. Happy birthday, buddy, baby, baby! And I figured, you know, uh, he he's talked, he's always talked so highly of this film. Um, he watched it a lot as a kid, so I was like, you know what? Let's uh, let's do a little breakdown and review as his uh, birthday present this year. And uh, I would appreciate it if you said that in a sing-songy voice. He loved this movie as a kid, watched it all the time. Happy birthday to Luke. Oh, yeah, baby. (laughs) Go crush some flowers in a field with a grown man who's not related to you. (laughs) Who will go on to be in Law and Order, playing the same character, but winning multiple Emmys for it. (laughs) He's a walking stereotype. Uh, So, yeah, dude. Um... Yeah, my, this is my first time uh, experiencing the film. Uh, like I said, I had heard nothing but good things about the movie, and I was I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed the film, but also how much I absolutely hated the the main characters because the irony of this film is the people we follow, the main characters, are the bad guys, and they are walking piles of shit. Yeah, I have very mixed feelings about this film because, yeah, you're right, Corey. You spend the entire movie uh, through the lens of the villains, and they're not likable villains in any way, shape, or form. And they are, in fact, real villains. They're not cartoon caricatures. They are, unfortunately, people that exist today, Um, bigots, racist pieces of crap, and it's really that aspect of the movie is very hard to digest. Uh, it's a wonderfully shot film. Music's great. A lot of things to say about it in a positive way. But I will tell you right now, the villains are, it's they're really hard to swallow. And it, and it goes into some dark places that I didn't see coming. You know, it's, it's I was yeah. a bit shocked. Um, and, 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 you know, it, the movie is like... <laughs> It's like your if the crow didn't have Brandon Lee, it didn't have Eric Draven in it, and you just spent the entire movie watching it from you know top dollar and Tintin's point of view, and then they they might die by some kind of accident, you know. You talking about Tintin? Tintin? I ain't skank. Skanks are dead. Skanks dead. Love that. Movie. I actually could watch it if it was just through his perspective. I, you know, as I was actually making the analogy, I realized that I wouldn't hate that movie whatsoever. Um, How about this? The flip side, it would all be the uh, you see the wraith through through uh, Packard and his gang. 
and, and then the, yeah, and then the accidents. Just Packard. Yeah, and then ju- the accidents just happen as accidents, and you don't really know why. So this movie has a supernatural spin, but you don't really figure it out until the end. And as I was sort of reflecting back on it, this movie is can be done in three different ways. You could have it the way that it is, which is sort of a revenge flick, and we follow the bad guys. You could make it all about the DA and him trying to figure out like who did it and track them down and turn this into like some kind of court movie. Or you can make you film the whole movie from Mary Lee's point of view, and it can just be a straight up ghost film. There's yeah. three movies in here that you could tell from different perspectives, but we get the one that focuses on. The pieces of shit. And Zach, you called it. The thing that I think was most startling about this, let's go back to Crow and everything. Tintin, everybody, T-Bird, they're caricatures. These villains felt like they lived in the house next to you. They they feel like your local friendly neighborhood mailman could be a, a potential pedophile because that's what happens here. And I'm just like, wow, the they really went realistic. I thought they, they really went realistic with them. They did, uh, which makes it almost more of a drama in some respects. The, the horror elements kind of come in bits and pieces throughout. Uh, it's more of a realistic drama in sadly in many ways. And oh boy, what I wouldn't give for Packard and his gang over, uh, Earl or whatever the Carl or <laughs> Otis o- Harless. Otis, sorry, <laughs> Otis Harless, Philby, and Skeeter. <laughs> Those are your four pieces of crap. <laughs> yes, put that on a T-shirt and burn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then so lastly, before we sort of jump into the cast and crew and everything, I don't have much backstory on on this movie. Um, IMDb was pretty light. Wikipedia was pretty light. And uh, the Blu-ray that we both have did not have any extras on it. I will say the transfer looked absolutely uh, spectacular. Great looking yeah. Blu-ray. and Subtitles. Woo-woo. Thank God. And one nice piece of caveat is the full movie is on YouTube. So instead of posting the trailer on our Patreon page for free, but not behind a paywall, like we always do, I posted the whole film. So you can go and watch it on YouTube before you listen to this review. Oh, great. Yeah, y'all should definitely do it. Uh, The only bit of info that I got was, and thanks to Corey, it was filmed in in Piru, California, or Piru, or P-I-R-U, um, which is off the 126 in the uh, e, 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 the the Santa Susana Mountains. It's right near uh, Six Flags, actually, Magic Mountain near Santa Clarita. Which is, so it's down near us or me, um, and it's not too far from Stevenson Ranch. So there you go. <laughs> and I know exactly where Stevenson Ranch is because I used to go out there and I would see that name and I'm like, hey. It's my ranch. It's uh, my fucking ranch, just like Yellowstone. Get <laughs> off my property, bitch. But it or def- otherwise, I'm going to call Rip. It definitely <laughs> looks like where they filmed, you know, night, an episode of Knight Rider out there. Probably some like Dukes of Hazard and stuff when they yeah. moved the production up from Georgia. Like it just, it looks like your typical. It could be where, like, right around the corner, the like the the um the trailer park where the last Starfighter takes place could be there. It all looks. Like that. Yeah, totally, totally. So just want to dive into the, you know, the cast and crew by saying that this was originally written 
Um, the writer wrote this to be an independent film, um, but CBS bought it and turned it into uh, a, a made-for-TV movie, but they trimmed very little from the movie itself, and it was written by J.D. Feigelson. That's all I got, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, J.D. Feigelson, uh, I believe he was also an actor, um, I think. I think he was. Well, he was. He directed... Uh, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow Part 2. He had a small role in this film, too. A uh, handful of movies he acted in, but mostly writing and directing and producing. Yes. Yep, exactly. Um, but, man, like, the... It's directed by Frank De Fel, uh, Felicia. Felicia? He's He's dead now, so really, you know, I could call him whatever I want, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you want to hear something extremely interesting? You want to know what the connection between uh, this movie? It's through him, but the connection between this and the entity is? And he didn't no. direct the entity. What's the connection? He wrote the novel the entity was based on. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, he has a handful of films that he directed, uh, wrote as well. He directed the movie Scissors, uh, which has nothing to do with the sexual position, I believe. Um, <laughs> though it does star Sharon Stone and Steve Railsback and Ronnie Cox and Michelle Phillips. What a cast. Uh, go check out Scissors in 1991. When did, Not um, to be confused with the position. When did, uh, when did... <laughs> <laughs> When did the movie come? When did uh, Basic Instinct come out? That was 80, no, 92. So she she did that right before Basic Instinct, huh? Yeah, yeah she scissored before she did anything else. <laughs> before she unscissored her legs. I believe so. Oh, and touche. <laughs> but or we like to say douche. Um, <laughs> the cast, though, Charles Durning playing the most unlikable person in the history of television film. Pl playing uh, it well. I'd say he's doing a great job, but he isn't. You fucking hate him in this movie. You hate him. He's played a lot of hateable characters. I think he was a hateable character in the Muppet movie, too. I think he was. Uh, he was the guy who, like, wanted a chicken farm or whatever. But uh, my favorite, I'll just say, because he's a legendary actor, rest in peace. He passed away in 2012. Um, my favorite role of his was in Tootsie. Mm. If you've never seen Tootsie... Oh, you're missing out. Yeah, he's been in so many movies, but Tootsie was like, you know, he's just like a very sweet role. Um, complete opposite of this role. I was going <laughs> to say the complete opposite of this. And I guess younger listeners, if we actually have any uh, out there, um, he was the voice of Francis Griffin on The Family Guy for like 10 years. Yeah, there you go. So For our younger viewers, hopefully a over the age of 10. <laughs> exactly. And he, he did pass away at the age of 89, so he did have a good run. A good run. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasting after dark. You had a good... No, well, we're going to live to be 89 at least. Um, one of the Robert only F two people surviving uh, actors-wise from this movie, Robert F. Lyons. Yeah, Robert F. Lyons, still alive, did a lot of uh, canon and canon-esque films like Platoon Leader and Avenging Angel and Death Wish 2. Yep. That's it. <laughs> yep. Claude Earl Jones played <laughs> uh, plays Philby. Uh, he passed away in 2019 at the age of 86. He's good run. Good run. He, he's actually been in some, some big stuff, though. 
Yeah, you recognize him uh, if and based on his size, that is a really good run because he's a pretty big guy, and he's been in a lot everything from television to movies and a lot of fun genre films like. Bride of Reanimator and uh, Miracle Mile, which is a cult film. If you've never seen it, highly recommend it. And Cherry 2000, yep. both directed by Steve Desjardins. Yep. I just watched Cherry 2000 uh, a couple months ago with my wife. Um, can't uh, can't remember him in it off the top of my head, but I do remember who he played on Seinfeld. Of course you do. He played Mr. Bevilacqua. Um, it was the episode where Jerry has Bim- to... Mr. Bevilacqua? Yes, Mr. Mr. Bevilacqua. Bob Bevilacqua. <laughs> Remember the episode where Jerry has to do the race with the guy from high school? Like that, uh, the guy says he cheated when they're back in high school and he, you know, Jerry's... Oh, yeah. Of, yeah, so the coach, they're... they're their coach or whatever uh, who was officiating the race was was him, was Claude oh, Earl Jones. Nice, yeah. nice. Well, a alum of Podcasting After Dark yes. through the movie Prison, yep. Lane Smith plays Hairless. Oh, sorry, Harless. <laughs> oh, fucking Harless, man. They're all pieces of shit. They're all pieces of shit. I mean, even, you know, Lane Smith is... Well, he's easy to dislike in prison, but he's been in a bunch of things like son-in-law and my cousin Vinny. Um, I, he always probably – I always first think of Red Dawn with him. He plays the mayor. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I always think of prison, but yeah, I always think of prison. <laughs> that was a great movie. Can you believe it's been Oh, sorry. Like, I was thinking of prison. Can you believe it's been like four years since we reviewed that? I mean, it's it's a trip when you think about how long we've been doing this podcast, <laughs> and we're still going strong. Hell yeah! <laughs> Did we hit we hit one, episode one hundred proper? Well, pro- we? uh, yeah, proper yes, but like not the one hundred review. This is technically our eighty eighth review, so we have twelve more before we hit the proper one hundred review. Oh baby! Oh baby! That's baby! Special, <laughs> yeah, man. We'll, we'll get there. Um, Tanya Crow plays Mar Marley, Marley. Uh, Williams. I was thinking, I'm like, I bet she did a lot of television back in the day, and she did. She was on Knots Landing, Knots Landing, Knots Landing, uh, <laughs> Knots Landing. <laughs> would Would you like some more Knots Landings with your Knots Landing? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and bring me a glass of hot fat in the. Uh, glass of oh, sorry a glass of hot fat and bring me the head of alfredo garcia there you go i figured you were gonna go with the fletch on that one i had to i had to uh it's fun yes anyways and then um we get to well larry drake <laughs> the man of one dimension larry drake as a kid two dimensions as a kid i thought he was disabled until i saw him in dark man play the villain and i was like oh He's just plays disabled, but here he played Benny on L.A. Law, which was a special needs, per, yeah, disabled person. And he won, or he was nominated for like multiple Emmys for that role. Yeah, I ha- I have a interest. It's hard, man. You know, because because like you think of people. I think Sean Penn was nominated for the movie he did, where he played a, a person with like Down syndrome yeah. or something. You think of uh, Billy Bob Thornton as Sling Blade, which I love. Uh, but then you think, uh, yeah, it's acting. It's acting, and that's what an actor does. They pr- they play a role. Uh, but then you w- wonder if it's like a stereotype or not, you know? And uh, Larry Drake playing, well, 
I, I think Larry Drake is a really good actor. And I think playing Bubba, he plays him convincingly. Yes. Yes, he I'll does. Leave it at that. But I'm, I'm with you. Like, I'm watching it and I'm like, is this insulting or is it is it not? Like, I, I don't know because, you know, I'm not mentally disabled. And I feel like he's doing things that are like now people make fun of. But maybe it was different back then. And then I'm also going in with the the, the knowledge that, you know, he, he was critically acclaimed playing a you know special needs person in L.A. Law. So I'm watching and I'm like, OK, this must be good. But sometimes I'm like. But is it, though? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I kind of wonder. I feel like he's playing Lenny from a, of Mice and Men. Uh, like a take on that. Yeah, that would make sense because Lenny was this uh, gentle giant type of thing and everything. That that kind of... I can see that being the director's sort of push. Yeah. I'm going to leave it at that <laughs> because it's... Con- <clears throat> Chime in. What do you guys think? All you listeners out there. Luke, Luke. Um uh, Probably most people are like, whatever, who cares? Not a big deal. But, uh, you know, I don't know. There's there's maybe I have a harder time when I see an able body actor playing someone in a wheelchair because that's uh, maybe that's different uh, because there's plenty of actors out there that should be that would be fantastic in a role that requires a wheelchair, you know, uh, that should play a guy or girl in a wheelchair. So there you go. Yeah. yeah, but uh, but yeah, Lenny, uh, sorry, Bubba uh, will come up. Well, we, we will not be doing any impressions of Bubba on this episode. Sorry, sadly. <laughs> if you want to pay me $500 and just keep it to yourself, I'll totally do it. Yeah, we, we, we workshopped a couple voices beforehand and we both uh, were like, no, no, we're going to we're going to let nope. that one go. <laughs> uh, but but Jocelyn Brando plays his mom in the movie, Mrs. Ritter. Jocelyn Brando, I believe she is she related she to is, Marlon. She is the older sister of Marlon Brando. That's Holy fucking thought. shit. Yep, she died in 2005 at the age of 86. Had a good run. Had a good run. Uh, Larry Drake's still alive. Oh, sorry. Larry Drake died in 2016 at the age of 66. Not a good run. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that was... That's a bummer. Maybe that was karma for him playing a bunch of mentally challenged people. Um, Yeah, the only people left alive from the the cast is uh, Tanya Crow and uh, Robert F. Lyons, who played Skeeter. Um, I do want to... perhaps uh, Tom Taylor. Perhaps. I do want to call out Tom Taylor um, because I had never seen him before this role, and I very much enjoyed the earnestness and, and, and energy that he kind of put into it. I completely bought into the fact that he was trying to do the right thing in in this movie, and he was or he was desperate to do the right thing, but couldn't you know couldn't because his hands were tied. Yeah, bummer too about him because like this is a really meaty role and he plays the hell out of it. And then you go to his filmography and he's known for Man in Bar number two from Maniac Cop, Jock number three from Three O'Clock High. Both great movies, mind you, but still. And you're like, uh, and I don't remember him in either of them. No, because, you know, you don't remember Jock number three and Man in Bar number two. Or, or police officer on the show Alice. For one yes, episode, so you know, that's a bummer. Um, you know, they don't really list whether he's alive or not, but I'm going to say he's alive. Yeah. And I'm going to say he hit the lottery and now he's living underground, literally in a bomb shelter because he's become he has foil on his windows. Uh, but he's living a good life. That's what I'm going to say. I, You know what? I hope so, too, because I very he was my surprise, like standout uh, uh, actor in this movie. 
Did you notice? <laughs> yes, I did. One actor, Large Marge. <laughs> yes, I did. I absolutely did. Mrs. Bunch, you see her for all of two seconds on screen, and I look up and I go, that's Large Marge, <laughs> right yep. away. And fun fact, she was the nurse in 3 O'Clock High as well. I wonder if uh, there's a 3 O'Clock High casting connection or something. I'll have to talk to Phil Juano, the director, because uh, you know I interviewed him for two dollar late fee yeah so uh yeah i'll have to ask him about that and then john steadman who plays mr loomis um you would probably recognize him from a lot of burt reynolds movies including the longest yard he played pop in the longest yard my probably my favorite role of his and my favorite all-time football movie maybe my all-time favorite sports movie but he was in The Hills Have Eyes, and he was in Gator, another Burt Reynolds movie. He died at the age of 83. Good run. And he always looked like an old guy. He was also a reoccurring character on The Incredible Hulk uh, TV show as well. The Incredible Hulk. Uh, an, yes. an intro, an opening to a show that scared the hell out of me as a kid. The Incredible Hulk? Yeah. Yeah. Terrified me as a kid. Terrifying. <laughs> Terrifying. Terrifying. And I just want to call out one last person. I want to call it the composer. Um, yes, because I wrote that down, too. The music was fantastic. Right? Honestly, I was like, halfway through it, I was like, oh, the music's actually really good here. It's like, it's not breaking any new ground or anything, but it's literally doing everything you want it to do. It's setting tone. It's informing the viewer of things. And it's better I, than the new kids' music, that's for sure. Right, exactly, dude. Yeah, man, I, I was actually very much uh, uh, enjoying the music, the score for this film. And he's done a lot of after-school specials and Amazing Stories episodes. Yeah, yeah. So you know, solid career as a composer. Yeah, Glenn Paxton. Yeah, no relation to Bill Paxton. That we I know. don't believe <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> Could have been. Who knows? Possible. <laughs> yeah. but We don't do research on this show. What the fuck? No, not at all. <laughs> you want research? Go to the podcasts that pretend that they do research and claim they do, but they really don't. <laughs> they just look up Wikipedia. We, yeah, they say they're, we yeah, dive they into eight. Zach's mind. That's how we do the research here. Yeah. Sincerely, guys, 90% of this shit just comes out of my head, and then 10% I'm like, oh, I was right, or oh, I'm wrong, and I found out after the fact. Yes. I throw Zach a couple curveballs sometimes, and it's it's uh, it's fu- it's fun to watch him squirm a little. Prison. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking uh, I'm drinking a ghost energy drink, Swedish fish oh, ghost energy drink. Okay, it's fucking amazing, by the way. I, so that's why my my uh, energy level is like <laughs> up and down. You're gonna crash, You're gonna crash soon. You got to pop another one. Yeah. Uh, well, buddy, I don't have much else, you know, uh, at the top for this. You want to just uh, jump into it? Let's jump into it like a redneck jumps into a, a, a pickup a, truck. external swimming pool above ground. <laughs> oh, oh, guys and gals, get ready for a lot of that. <laughs> I can play it. Good, Mama. Come on, come on. Looks like they lost him. That's impossible. Same as he did last time. Well, they think it's a scarecrow. 
started, he started planting. What's the matter with you? Can't you see I'm busy? You ever see me planting this time of year? No. Well, why do you ask a lame brain thing like that? Well, I just thought it's kind of strange. I mean, if you're not planting, why would you put up a scarecrow? <laughs> oh, it's good. Yep. If you were, if you were a redneck, <laughs> if you might be a redneck, if you were a redneck, would you rather have the name Cooter or Enos? <laughs> Crazy Cooter coming at you sideways. Yeah. <laughs> you go Cooter. Oh, you gotta yeah, go, go Cooter, Cooter babe. You gotta go Cooter. Who the fuck would name their kid Enos? Oh God. But someone did. Oh. I know a guy, swear to God, hand to God, he told me again this past weekend, his mom was a teacher and she had twins in her class, Susan and not Susan. I swear to God. <laughs> swear to That's God. That's actually kind 100%. of amazing. <laughs> it's amazing and it's true. Uh, amazing but true. The movie opens with a cool title card. I liked the font that they used and everything. Yeah, me too. Dark Knight of the Scarecrow in a fun font and there's a painting of a windmill. As the credits roll, the camera zooms into the windmill and then crossfades into an actual windmill spinning. Did, did you, have, when this movie started, or every time you say Dark Knight, do you think of, it's a dark night from Dust Till Dawn? Oh, yeah. I love that. Love that song. Love that movie. Yep. Uh, yes. I don't know. That didn't jump into my head. Something else. What did? I No, I kept saying Dark Knight of the Dangatang. Oh, Dark Knight of the Tang Tang. Uh, <sighs> swear to me. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, we, we see a wide open field. Clearly, it's uh, Peru, uh, California. Peru, California. <laughs> uh, two figures are sitting in the tall grass playing with each other. It's Bubba, Larry Drake, <laughs> who looks They're to be playing in his 30s, and Mary Lee, Tanya Crow, who is about 11 or 12 years old. Mary Lee is picking flowers and singing a song with Bubba. Anytime that I refer to Mary Lee singing a song, it's the same song. I've never heard this song. It's like a made-up song, I think. Like, I'm picking the flowers, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if it is, it's the world's crappiest song because it, like, doesn't rhyme. doesn't, you know. 
and there's two pillows on the floor today. They're falling farther than they ever have. And I'm making up words because I don't know the rest of the song. The end. <laughs> that sucked. I mean, good job. But the funny thing is she sings the same lyrics every time, so someone had to write it down. Yeah, she did. <laughs> uh, they stop singing, and Mary Lee asks for another flower from Bubba, but he squeezes it too hard and crushes it. Oh, Bubba, look what you did. You ruined it. Don't squeeze it like that. Hold it by the stem like I showed you. And now this will come back at the end of the movie. She tells him to find another one, and this time he picks it more gently. Mary Lee shows Bubba what she's been making with the flowers. It's a lay. Everyone gets one when you go to Hawaii, she says to him. Then she puts it over Bubba's head and says, and he says, Be beautiful. It's almost like how Vincent Price did the thing on the cover where he's like, it's marvelous. Yes. <laughs> Corey Stevenson, canceled. Goo -goo. <laughs> Zach's like, I'm not doing it. You do it, buddy. <laughs> I might have cut it, but he goes, because I asked him if he wanted to do the line, and he goes, it's your breakdown, man. <laughs> Abstain! Abstain! You're like, you're like, Abstain! You're like, you're not going to goat me into getting canceled on this episode. Yeah. I'll just do this for us through the whole thing. <laughs> uh, then Mary Lee tells him it's custom to give him a kiss. Bubba moves away and shakes his head. She says, you have to. It comes with the flowers. He keeps shaking his head no, but Mary Lee says she has, he has to give it back if he doesn't. Bubba sheepishly accepts her kiss on the cheek and smiles. We now see the scene from a distance and through binoculars. They drop down, revealing Otis, played by Charles Durning, in his mailman outfit, watching them from the trees. He with looks his fucking hat with his fucking safari postal carrier hat. Yeah, that plastic fucking hat, man. And he never isn't wearing his postal outfit in this. Nope, because that's all he lives for, delivering mail, looking at nudie mags. <laughs> yeah, and, and living in his border house, uh, bordering house, we, we need to, we're going to have to discuss that because I don't quite understand what the situation is, but we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there. We'll world build when we get there. <laughs> Please. So... You know, he, he looks he, so he looks pissed when he's looking at them and he kind of drives off in his in his uh, post office truck. You know, when you're first watching the movie, you just think he's concerned about the girl. But later you find out it's probably for other reasons. And he might have been peeping uh, even if uh, if old uh, Bubba wasn't there. Jealousy. Jealousy. Thy name is Otis. Yeah. Jealousy. My name is Otis. Fantasy Nights <laughs> by Aldo Nova. There you go. Cut to Harless, played by Lane Smith, using the wood shepherd on his farm and drinking a beer midday. I was so disappointed by this character. I was like, oh, man, I thought he was going to be cool, and he's a dick. Yep. Yep. They're, no, none, they're, none of them are cool, guys. None of them are cool. Nope. No, zero redeeming quality. Otis drives his truck up next to Harless. Otis says he's out there again, and he's got the Williams girl. Harless goes to grab something, but Otis grabs his hand and stops him. Harless says... You know what he's liable to do? Otis says, yes, he does. Harless says, well, let's go down there and break it up then. Otis looks at Harless and asks, what good would it do? Two days and he'd be back again just like before. Harless says, not this time. I'm going to teach that moron a lesson. 
Give me my beer. Otis shoots back. You're wasting your time. He's an idiot. He can't remember. You ought to know that by now. Harless asks, what do they do then? Otis says, nothing. Harless says he doesn't understand. It was Otis's idea that Bubba was dangerous in the first place. What happened all of a sudden? You changed your mind? <laughs> I think my whole thing is just going to devolve into me doing a southern accent. I mean, that's the only way to get through some of these characters. I'm telling you guys. like, The, the acting is really good. Yeah. Everything's really good. My God, I said 24 minutes in, and my blood is boiling. Yeah, no, I mean, the movie does its job because we're not supposed to like these people at all. But if you take, like, sort of modern tropes, you'd think maybe one or two of them would have some some semi-redeeming qualities. But this is, I, I think this is very, like, it's to the point, and it, I, I don't know if it's because it's a TV movie. It's not trying to be that, you know, uh, subliminal or anything. It's kind of like, here it is. And here's what's going on, and there's not too much, like, gray about it. You know who the assholes are pretty much right away. Right. Yep. Otis looks intently out into the field. He's a blight, like stinkweed and cutworm that you just spray and spray to get rid of, but always keeps coming back. No, I haven't changed my mind. Something's got to be done, but it has to be permanent. And then this is when I think you and I both thought that Harless maybe would be cool. Um, He looks shocked, and he says, hey, hey, Otis. I'll kick him around a little, have a little fun with him, but that's as far as I'm going to go. Then Otis looks at him and asks, what would you do if something happened out there? uh, Harless is like, well, that's different. You know what I'd do? There'd be a reason. Otis looks at Harless disappointedly and hands him his mail, and he says, say hello to the missus for me, and drives off. Like, oh, yeah, let's kick him around a little bit. You know, that'll be fun. What, fuck you, you know? No, like, that's not okay, too. And and look at Otis trying to turn it on him by, you know, trying to convince him that they should out they should kill him because ultimately he's the one that wants to get with Marilee. Yeah, if it's one of those movies where you, second viewing sort of paints things in a different light, you know? Jealous. Yeah. Jealous of Bubba. And you also get the sense that, I mean, he's, I think they're probably a smidge around the same age as, as Bubba, some of them in the group are. I think Otis is, is the oldest in the group. But you get the sense that maybe Skeeter, maybe uh, um, Harless, you know, picked on on Bubba back in high school and shit like that, too, and everything. And we all know those people that, you know, now that we're in our 40s, didn't achieve something that they thought they wanted. And instead of being content with what they have, they hold this bitter grudge and this anger inside, and they take it out on everybody else, and that's these fucks. Yep. They just take out their, their, you know, inner demons on everyone else. and As they drink well, all day long while they're working and everything, because that's another thing. All of them are constantly drinking, too. Constantly drinking, yep. We cut to Bubba and Mary Lee, Mary Lee holding hands and singing. They are both wearing their lays and walking next to a fenced-in backyard. They stop by a hole in the fence, and Mary Lee looks inside. She gets excited when she sees a fountain and a bunch of garden gnomes. Ah, the simpler things in life when you got excited by a fountain and garden gnomes. I like the simple things in life, like fountains and garden gnomes and butter in my ass and lollipops in my mouth. (laughs) There, there it is. There it is. 
Shout out to Aaron. She knows. <laughs> oh my God! When are you guys gonna bring that bring that movie down? <laughs> Is that one of those uh, earworm things uh, for you? Uh, uh, you know, when you hear someone say a certain phrase, you have to sort of mentally do the whole like quote. Yes. So I'm sorry. <laughs> My one of mine is uh, when whenever I hear you always say that if someone says you always say that I always, I go from aliens I go you always say that Frost you always say I got a bad feeling about this drop. <laughs> uh, Mister Stevenson, sit down. That's inappropriate. You're in class. Your name goes on the board with a check. It was a bad call, Ripley. A bad call. <laughs> That's it. You're in for recess. That's it. And you have to suck my toes. Wait, whoa, what? <laughs> what? This just got real. <laughs> the irony is we're about 40 minutes into this, and <laughs> it's been super sleazy and super rated R this episode, but yet this movie is like PG. <laughs> oh, you got to fill it. You got to fill it with something, you know? <laughs> Otis wants to fill something. Never mind. So moving on. Mary There's cream-filled donuts <laughs> in the back. You want one? No. No. So Mary Lee <laughs> moves aside the post to go investigate, but Bubba can't follow. He's not allowed in people's yards. He'll get in trouble. Mary well, you Lee- said she's 11? I thought she was like 11 or 12. I, I don't know. I thought she would be like 8 or 9. I, I don't have a kid, so I don't quite know. But if, okay. if you say she's 8 or 9, I'll go with that. I don't quite know. Okay. I, yeah. Let's call ten. Okay. Let's say ten. Cut cut it in the middle then. <laughs> yeah. I I do like I mean, so Mary Lee's the only real like Mary Lee and Mrs. Ritter and Bubba are the only good characters. And I like to kind of keep Mary Lee a good character. She doesn't force Bubba. Like she doesn't give him shit for not coming in. She's like, okay, you know, that's fine. And I I, I kinda liked that. Um she slips through the crack. As she's walking around the yard looking at all the gnomes, she hears a growl. Then sees a big black dog that's not at all ferocious looking, and most of the growls are eighty yard. <laughs> the dog actually looks fairly happy to be on camera. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Mary Lee yells for Bubba as the dog charges towards her. He Bubba breaks through the fence, and we hear barks. <laughs> we hear barks and screams. The camera cuts to various garden gnomes watching the carnage. I felt like. <laughs> This was padding. There's a couple, there's a couple scenes in the movie that has like a few seconds of padding that I think they were trying to get that hour and a half mark, you know? Yeah, I, I think instead they should have slowed down, did a slow-mo of Bubba breaking through the wall. Because <laughs> he does. He like totally hulks it. He's like, rawr, rawr, yay, I'll take care of you, Marilee. He doesn't say that, but, you know, <laughs> breaks through the wall and you're like, whoa, Bubba's got the strength. Yeah, and it was kind of um, a little bit underwhelming. The the way it was sort of filmed and everything happened kind of quicker. You're right. I would have put a bit more emphasis on his him busting through that wall because that's exciting stuff right there. Yeah, with that super that superhero sound that. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to a lady putting away groceries in her kitchen. Loud and repeated knocking comes from the front door. She walks over to it and opens it to reveal Bubba holding Mary Lee's body. She's covered in blood and scratches, and he's crying that he didn't do it. The lady screams, I didn't do it. Oh, Bubba. She's passed out. I I don't expect what's going to happen later to happen, you know? Me too. Cut to Harless hauling ass through town in his pickup truck. He pulls into the post office parking lot and runs through the back door. Otis, it's happened. 
Bubba Ritter, he's done it. The Williams girl? She's dead, Otis. Otis opens a drawer and grabs his pistol. Harless says the sheriff is calling for volunteers. They're meeting by the courthouse. Otis says, no, we'll do it ourselves. Let's get the dogs and the guns. Cue the banjo. I mean, fuck. This is like this is what happens now all the time still, too, unfortunately. Let's not, let's not, uh, let's see how this gets played out with uh, the pr- proper procedures. Let's just go round up this guy and do what we're going to do to him. And boy, oh boy, does it turn bad quick. Yeah, it turns real bad. Gut-wrenchingly bad. Um, at the local gas station, we see Skeeter, played by Robert F. Lyons, finishing up with... You, you got my hat on. You know if I got my hat on, I'm ready to party. Yeah, dude. he's He plays it like he's almost on the same level as Bubba. But, you know, he's a little bit brighter, I guess. But, man, he... <laughs> He, Robert F. Lyons, gets a, a chance to shine in the in the final act of the movie, as far as acting yeah, he goes. Does. Yep, it's a lot of crying. I would be crying too if I if if he if I did what he did, which I would never do, by the way. No, because you have good friends like me, and and this is I'm a firm believer. You're judged by the company you keep. This is if you have asshole friends, like if all your friends are assholes, you're probably an asshole too. I can't tell you how many times in, in, in the past 10 years I've heard stories of people going, travel around in the South, because I think this is supposed to take place in the South. Uh, traveling around in the South, stumbling upon a gas station, getting harassed by people that live there just because they look a certain way or they, you know, dress a certain way, whatever. It, it, none of the, watching this film, I'm like, none of, nothing's changed. In, in 40 years, yeah, 45 years, almost 45 years, nothing's changed. So two things. One, I think you're right. It's supposed to be in Texas because the sound guy actually went, uh, I guess he had cicadas playing from Texas and they wanted to put them in the background. Um, okay. So, yeah, I think it's supposed to take place in Texas. But to your point. Um, Myra and I, for my birthday last week, we were at the Oregon coast and we were buying some stuff at this small little, you know, local mom and pop, you know, store thing. And, uh, you know, we're both in line, just kind of stand there, the registered about to pay. And I look outside and I notice like our trunk had popped open because our fucking key fob will mess up and it'll, the trunk will just, it'll hit the trunk, you know? I go, oh, I was like, oh, babe, let me, I'm gonna go close the trunk and, you know, get, yeah, obviously, we're married, our money's the same. So I go running out there to close the trunk and I didn't know this, but Myra was like, so the lady was like, so he just left you to pay? And she's like, oh, that's so, oh. And, you know, she was like making all these things and Myra's like, we're married. Like, it's all the same what money. Year is this? Like, and also, I make all the money like like you know what I mean like and she was like why like the audacity that this lady could just say this to me you know I mean without knowing us she yeah she should have retorted with well well my husband gives me an allowance and he's letting me use my allowance money to pay for the groceries he's gonna take it out of my allowance later yeah that would have been pretty fucking awesome but I mean, seriously, like, oh my God, yeah, nothing's changed. It's so sad. It, and um, and trust me, guys, everyone listening, there are beautiful people that live in these parts of the country too. I've got cousins and uh, aunts and uncles that live in Texas that I love, and you know, we got friends in Florida, and 
all sorts of Georgia and whatnot. I, I have family in, in Virginia and, you know, some of them are good old boys and, you know, never meaning no harm, but they get into some shenanigans and everything. I was literally going to make the same statement as you guys and gals. These people are assholes. We're not talking about everyone in the South. We're not talking about them blanket, blanket the entire, you know, South of the country. We're just talking about these people are assholes. People in cities yeah. are assholes. People in the North just, are assholes. People are assholes everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, there's assholes everywhere, especially in Los Angeles. But uh, yeah, you know it's. Oh man, just just go, don't judge don't judge people just by the way they look. And if if you're a pervert inside, go go get some therapy for that. Go get some help for that. <laughs> you know, don't 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 go to your pastor or your priest for advice. Just get get a get a get a good like th- therapist. Get therapy. a professional therapist. Yeah, professional. That's gonna help you get those demons out of your body. Not giving somebody twenty dollars a month on the CBC network you know what i'm saying i i do have a problem with people using their their pastors as therapists and not actual therapists you know well you know otis you reckon otis will be down there and at the local church talking to his priest going oh father i did something really awful and the father says i forgive you son then everything will be back to normal right i i think i think you could make that statement for harless or philby not Otis. Otis, I don't think, gives a rat's ass about what he did. That's true, because he's from New York, and he's putting on a Texas. He's trying to pretend like he's from Texas. <laughs> yeah. He's trying yeah, to be see? a tough guy there. Come on. <laughs> you know what this weight is behind my belt? Uh, fat? No, it's muscle. It's man. It's all man. It's a, It's all it's my muscle barrel belly. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, wow, we deviated off we the rails did. on that we one. We did. Skeeter looks up and he sees Otis standing in the back of Harless's pickup truck as they come driving in and honk on the horn. I don't know how Skeeter knows to do this, but he grabs two hunting dogs and puts them in the back of the truck and hops in as well. Two dogs that won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, oh, they're I was like, they're Jesus howlers. Christ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're hurrying for a really long time. Uh, unlike Kylie <laughs> from Extreme Ghostbusters, they are screamers. Wow. Yeah, nice, nice, nice <laughs> reference to our last episode, Extreme go. Ghostbusters. There you go. At at Philby's feed and grain, we see Philby, played by Claude Earl Jones, and his men dumping grain into the back of the back of a truck. He sees Harless and the boys uh, pull up and he tells the guy to take over the job. Philby jumps into the back of the, the pickup without hesitation and they drive off. It's like, did he did they call them first or anything? But but Philby's like, all right, guys, this looks like a posse's coming on. I'm jumping in. I haven't had had haven't had a chance to do this in two weeks. <laughs> Cut to Bubba running through a creek with Otis, Skeeter, Philby, and the dogs in hot pursuit. Harless is ordered by Otis to go to Bubba's home to cut him off. Bubba is cut and bloody, but his lay is still around his neck. As the three rednecks are giving chase, Philby has to to has to stop to take his heart attack medicine because he's winded and out of shape. He does a lot of running for a fat man in this movie. He does. And man, I w- yeah, I would have loved to have seen his heart explode. Yeah. Literally like, do, do you like, know, like... Uh, like like an X-ray shot, like do like a still frame X-ray shot and seeing it like actually explode, you know? No, I you know, like come out of its chest, like yeah. uh, like Miguel Ferrer and Leviathan. Yeah, be like oh shit! It, it, I, and it was uh, Deep Star Six, by the way, not Leviathan. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. 
Leviathan uh, is a little bit different vibe than Deep Star Six. Yes, yes, yes. We never have gotten. Uh, we maybe we'll have to go visit Leviathan one of these days because I did Deep Star Six and I always liked that one better as a kid. So, but we got to do that Leviathan. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I would love it if like his heart exploded and then his asshole blasted <laughs> out too. <laughs> and that's how he died. And he just smelled like, and the cops roll up and they're like, oh my God, he smells like shit. So, so he has a fart attack essentially. Yeah. And then his wife rolls up and she's totally humiliated and embarrassed and she chokes on a corn nut. (laughs) (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) Bubba finally makes it home and yells her mom. Uh, I felt bad this scene. He, he was, he's really selling it in this, this. It's terrible, man. It's terrible. I, I feel terrible for him. It's so fucked up. She opens the door and he falls to her feet on the porch. Bubba's crying and saying that Mary Lee got hurt, but he didn't do it. They both look back as they hear dogs in the distance. Bubba pleads for his mom to help. They're going to hurt me. Bubba's scared, mama. Don't, I didn't do nothing bad. This is what threw me off. Sometimes he refers to himself in third person, and sometimes he does it. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if that's accurate or not. But it, no. it it's fine. Because the tears and shit is really, I mean, in, in his, you can see in his eyes that he's scared. And that's what, what, you know, that's what you connect with. Well, guys, he just, guys and gals, he just saved, uh, he had, he just witnessed a super traumatic moment. And then he's, and then he rescued the person that had the, horrible thing happened to her and now he's accused of murdering her and he probably or like you know harming her and and he kind of knows that deep down that he's gonna be you know held responsible for this he's terrified poor guy yeah little man child poor poor man child (laughs) 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 poor poor sweet man child (laughs) poor sweet man Mm. He should have got a Kaiser blade. I call it a sling blade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who do you think would win, Bubba or Sling Blade in a, oh, in a fucking battle? Sling Blade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he should. He tried. Bubba tried to take my taters, and I said, "Get your hands off my taters!" And he put his fingers in there, and then I put his fingers in his mouth, and then I took it. Sling blade to his head, and I chopped his head off like a chicken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've still actually never seen Sling Blade. <gasps> wow. I know. I know. What a great year. Same year that came out, Boogie Nights, baby. Oh, give me Boogie Nights any fucking day. Love that movie. Sling Blade, dude. You, oh, Sling Blade is a beautiful film. It's beautiful. Sure. Lucas Black when he was a kid. Okay. Versus before he was uh, Tokyo Drifting. Yep. 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 That's that's a movie. So <laughs> his mom holds him and tells him he's a good boy. Good boy. <laughs> then she says she's not gonna let them hurt him. Damn them! Anything happened in this town and they be blaming you, Stella. Stella. Sorry, that was my brother. <laughs> my little brother. It make it makes sense how strong her acting is in this movie. It makes sense she's Marlon Brando's sister. Yeah, but she can't die more shit. Oh, no, no, it's great. It's fantastic. I love that. Stop breathing. It's too hard for me. I can't. I'm alive. I'm really alive. I can keep keep my eyes open, but I can't hold my breath, okay? I can't hold my breath. I'm a smoker. Do two things at once. Come on. She gets Bubba to his feet and says, now you remember what we did last time? We played the hiding game, remember? Bubba gets excited and says he remembers. He can play it good. If it was Woody Allen's hiding game, she he would have never been found. 
the, uh, just go upstairs. There's a secret door up in the, there's trains up there. But I didn't touch anybody. Ooh. So there's a secret door in your butthole that my finger's going to go. <laughs> Fuck. Fucking. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> she leads Bubba off to the field. Cut back to the three guys and dogs hunting Bubba. We see them following the same path as Bubba all the way to his house, where they meet up with Harless in his truck. Skeeter says the dogs are onto something as they lead him to the house. The gang follows. They all walk up to the front of the house, and Otis yells out, Bubba Ritter, come out! We know you're there. The door flies open, and Bubba's mom steps out. What are you men doing on my property? We come for him, Mrs. Ritter. In a pig's eye, she says. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling this, this dialogue. I'm getting into it. You're getting a little bit of, yeah, see, yeah. we're coming for him, Mrs. Ritter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to fit him with some bit. concrete shoes, see? Yeah, see? Yeah. Otis says that this is official. Mrs. Ritter jabs back, who do you think you are? The only thing official you ever done is lick stamps. Now get off my place. <laughs> she does. She stands her ground, totally. I love her, man. Yeah. She's awesome. <laughs> she asks the men what Bubba's accused of doing. Harla says, Frank Williams' daughter. But but she cuts him off and said, no, he wouldn't hurt nobody, especially a child. He loves children. He plays with them because he's no older than them in his head. Otis says, he's 36 years old, Mrs. Ritter. He's physically mature. <laughs> I was like, what does that have to do with anything, though? Oh, you'll have to talk to Otis about that. Mm, I reckon I should take a cather blade to Otis. Mm. You got to talk to Fern about that. He's physically mature. <laughs> Fern doesn't listen. Mm-hmm. It's okay. <laughs> he got the he's got the mind of a child. He like to play with them toys. Mm-hmm. Oh, Blaster! He has the mind of a child. Oh, Bubba is Blaster. Okay, in another life. Yes. If this, yes, he is. He would have thrived in a post-apocalyptic society. Yes, he would have. <laughs> oh my. Okay. Uh, so he said, where, where is, where is he? She says he ain't here, but Otis says the dogs say different. Otis reminds Mrs. Ritter that she's obstructing justice, but she stands her ground and yells, you ain't the law. They start yelling over each other until she goes back inside and slams the door. The dogs start barking and Skeeter says they picked up the scent. They follow the dogs to a field and Otis looks out with his binoculars. Philby says, maybe he's headed across the field. Same thing as he did last time we lost him. So, you know, they've done this before. So they teased him and chased him and terrorized him. But this time's Mm -hmm. different. Now they have dogs. Yep. And they start walking through the field with Harless following behind in his pickup truck. The dogs lead them right to a scarecrow hanging on a wooden cross. It's the only thing taller than grass in the open field. Harless parks the truck and joins the rest as they stand there looking at the scarecrow. I thought all of this was kind of like freaky than sad, you know, because they're all just kind of like staring at him, you know. Skeeter yells at the dogs for thinking the scarecrow's Bubba, but Otis slowly walks closer and looks into the scarecrow's cutout eyes. He's startled when he sees Bubba's eyes looking back from under the mask. He looks terrified. Otis steps back and draws his pistol. The other three men raise their rifles at the Scarecrow. We can hear Bubba whimpering, and we see the Scarecrow shaking. Otis' hands start shaking, and we faintly hear Bubba say, Bubba didn't do it, coming from behind the mask. Like, dude, I know it's coming, but I'm like, fuck, don't, you know, don't do it. I, I mean, 
I am completely invested in Bubba right now. Yeah, and you know it's coming, and unfortunately, this is the beginning of the movie, so they're not pulling any punches. They certainly aren't, and also with the squibs either for a TV movie. Yep, that's for sure. A crow yells overhead, and the men open fire. They riddle the Bubba Scarecrow with bloody holes, and he slumps over, still attached to the wooden cross. All the men except for Otis look shocked. Just then, a call comes from the truck's CB radio, breaking the silence. Hey, Harless, do you copy? Harless answers the call, and the guy over the radio says, They called everything off. The little girl's all right. It was all a mistake. Hank Renfro's dog jumped her. They've already released her from the clinic and and sent her home. Funny part is, old Bubba saved her life. Ain't that a laugh. All four men hear this and slowly look back at the bloody scarecrow. Otis looks around and grabs a pitchfork off of Harless's truck and puts it in Bubba's lifeless hand. The wind picks up and starts howling hard as the men look at their terrible handiwork. Fucking 20 minutes in, because I checked the time, I think I paused to go pee or something. Like 20 minutes in, strong opening. You already feel for Bubba. You already hate these guys. But now we're going to basically have an hour and 10 minutes following them as they get picked off with very little breakaway from them. They almost become our protagonists, which is weird. Yeah, it's slight disjointedness. My my probably my biggest issue that I have with this movie, it just it almost doesn't paint them sympathetically, but it just gives them too much time. Too much time to, to to get to know them. You don't want to know these guys. You just want to see them have their comeuppance. You really don't. I want to. I like the little connection that Mary Lee will have moving forward, and I love that his mom stands up for his now dead body. But it's a terrible outcome for this sympathetic character. It's really messed up, you know. And um. You know, it makes me think of that movie was a time to kill, and and the first fifteen minutes or twenty minutes is when you see that horrible. I think someone gets killed, uh, a little kid or something, and then the rest of the movie, you know, you follow you follow the uh, Matthew McConaughey and Samuel L. Jackson that dynamic. This is a little different. This is dark. Yeah. This is a dark movie. It this is. is probably one of the darkest movies we've ever covered. <laughs> And it's like a PG, like an unrated made-for-TV film. It's it's yeah. it's very dark. To to lighten it up, I th- I wish we actually spent a little bit more time with the DA or maybe with like Mary Lee or something. But yeah, it's it's gonna mostly be spent with with the four ship bags basically. Yep. Cut to the local courthouse. But see, here's I did like this. I liked how there was a sort of a trial. Or at least we saw some kind of ramifications for what happened basically. It, it just makes your blood boil even more, though. Right. Come on now. And more so in the fact that there, there's actually someone who's trying to advocate for Bubba, and it's completely lost on the entire town, which we'll soon find out. Like, Yeah, the, the whole en- town needs to go up in flames. Mm-hmm. This, this whole town needs an enema, basically. Yep. Mm-hmm. They need to fry like taters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of them do. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. 
We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. Heyo. And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke. (laughs) And now, back to the show. So cut to the local courthouse. Otis, Harley, Skeeter, and Philby are on trial for the murder of Bubba Ritter. The prosecutor is in the process of interviewing Otis on the stand. The judge is quieting down the crowd while the lawyer is stating, The men had no reason, no right to be there, legal or otherwise. The defense attorney objects, stating that the sheriff called for volunteers and the DA knows it. Then he accuses the prosecutor of deliberately harassing his clients. The DA says to the judge, they're vigilantes, and anyone who doesn't understand that is blind or incompetent. The man was helpless for God's sakes. The defense attorney grabs the pitchfork off the table and says, that's a lie and you know it. Then he throws the pitchfork down by the DA's feet. I don't know if they'd allow a pitchfork to be just on the, you know. No. Well, maybe in this podunk town. Where the judge isn't even wearing like a robe, you know. He's like in his Sunday best. I got this I got this outfit at Burlington Coat Factory. Come on now. <laughs> the prosecutor picks up the pitchfork and looks at Otis. I'm sorry, Your Honor. I almost forgot. He had a pitchfork against four men with guns. He looks at the three men and continues. He might as well have had a feather duster against that firing squad. He slams the pitchfork down on the table and make, making Harless, Philby, and Skeeter jump. The crowd erupts and the judge tells him to quiet down. The judge then looks at Otis and says, I want you to tell this court whether you or these men gave the deceased a chance to surrender himself. You're under oath. Otis looks at the judge and says, and he, I think he's like a sociopath. Like he can turn it on and turn it off, you know? Oh, it reminds me of someone in who used to represent our country for a minute. I think Otis is probably smarter than that fucking tangerine piece of shit. And Lester of two evils, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. Otis looks at the judge and says, Yes, Your Honor, we did. Several times, in fact. We even fired shots in the air. The DA looks disgusted. Otis goes on, We did everything we possibly could not to hurt him. We had to defend ourselves. What a flawed fucking system where you you got to tell the truth. You have to. You're and, and, and you're oh well. He I told it. I I told the truth. So uh, that, that, that should exonerate me, right? I mean, no. I like uh, disgusting. You know. Yeah. What a flawed system where you well. You're apparently you you put your hand on a Bible and swear that you're going to tell the truth and 
you lie out your fucking teeth, but you, but under oath, he, he swore the truth, so it must be the truth, it right? must be the truth now. Oh, if he didn't want to tell the truth, then he could have just played the fifth. Well, no. <laughs> really I, fucked up. I, you know what's funny? I think uh, your energy is the same as my energy was during the They Live review. <laughs> yes, it is. I, I, I can't, guys and gals, they live. Go check it out on the Carpenter Factor on Patreon. I came into that so just shaking my head, being like, Zach's like, well, what's wrong? And I'm like, it all came true. But everything in the movie came true. Like in our lifetime, it all came true. And Zach had to like talk me off the cliff in that fucking episode. Yeah, I think I don't know. Uh, that's that's a pretty accurate uh, connection right there. Because because I'm 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 on the roof with these guys jumping off like, God damn it all! But I'm with you, man. I I I this movie definitely hits you, and you're like, shit. You know, like there has to be some justice, but you'll soon find out there's other justices in this world. There's only uh, I think out of the four, maybe two of them get the best justice. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll rate them. Maybe we'll rank them at the yeah, end. Yeah, we're going to rate the kills at the <laughs> yeah, end. Exactly. We're going to rate the deaths. Uh, yep. The DA gets fired up. Defend yourself. The man had 21 bullet holes in him. The crowd gets riled up again, and the judge calls the attorney to the bench. Now, gentlemen, we have got a very delicate situation on our hands here. We have to be extremely careful. Sam, these men are members of the community. They're not criminals. And I love how, like, Otis is just sitting there listening to this, you know? Yep. He's like, oh, good. The judge is on my side. The- oh, good. I can go jerk off later and no one's going to know. <laughs> and, and I and I like how the DA's like, he's like, Henry, your honor, because, you know, I mean, they're all, for, they know each other and everything. And he's he gets a little flustered, you know what I mean? Um, yep. Again, I, I love Sam. I think he's, he's awesome in this. I could watch a movie about him trying to fight these guys through the court system, you know, and just make it a complete like court movie, you know, can you be, can you imagine being that one guy in the whole town? You go to the diner for breakfast in the morning you look around at all these people and you're like, I, all these people hate me because I'm just trying to do the right thing. And they all hate me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, and yet he's the only one with moral standing in this fucking town. And yet he's the one that's the villain in their eyes. He's like, but I'm the asshole. I'm the <laughs> but asshole. But I'm the asshole. <laughs> but I'm the asshole. <laughs> this motherfucker over here <laughs> likes to look at, wants to uh, have sex with a little nine-year-old girl. And but, but I'm looking the asshole. Your mail. <laughs> but I'm the asshole. Okay, sure. Sure. So the judge gets mad. He goes, Sam. I'll tell you the truth. After listening to the arguments, I don't think you have a case against them. You have produced no witnesses. You have produced no evidence. You have not shown me one thing to prove that what happened is any different than what they say. Now, do you have anything else to present? Sam shakes his head no. The judge says to the court, After reviewing the evidence and testimony in this hearing, I find it insufficient to establish probable cause, and I'm ordering the defendants to be released from custody immediately. Bubba's mom, Mrs. Ritter, stands up and yells, No! They're murderers! Stella! (laughs) Right. Why didn't I get the Academy Award? This is television. Why didn't I get the Emmy? (laughs) The two bailiffs drag her out of the courtroom and she yells that they killed her son. Before she's out the door, she says to the men, you may think you're getting off free, but there's other justice in the world besides the law. 
The judge says, court adjourned, while Otis smiles. And then Charles Bronson walks in and goes, that's right. There are other kinds of justice in this world. (laughs) My only way I can do a Charles Bronson impression is by doing a Simpsons version of Charles Bronson. That's fair. Yeah. How's that go? I can't remember the line. It's only like one specific line. from Charlie Brunson. Charlie Brunson. (laughs) I just keep thinking. Got to workshop that. I just keep thinking of Disco Stew is talking to you. He he (laughs) says it to Bart. Uh, As the four men walk out of the courtroom, they're greeted in the hall by their cheering peers. As Zach and I were talking about, the entire town is on their side. Everyone in town is happy to see them off the hook except for the DA. He follows them out and says... Hazel Rig, just a minute. I want to tell you men one thing. I think you executed that man, and I promise you this. If I ever find a single shred of evidence, I'll see every one of you on death row. Otis chuckles and looks at his pocket watch. Am I keeping you, Mr. Hazel Rig? Otis looks up and says, I was just noticing the time. It's Tuesday, and Mrs. Bunch will be having fried chicken over at the boarding house right about now. The whole crowd laughs, except for D.A. Sam. (laughs) Yeah, we just killed that guy. No one gives a shit. (laughs) We're heroes for it. Yeah, it's it's disgusting. We're heroes for murdering a guy who didn't do anything wrong. Who was actually the hero. Who was actually the hero. Yes, the town knows that Bubba saved the girl's life. That is true. And yet they're still... Not manslaughter, not like, you know, not even like a lesser charge of, well, you shouldn't have killed that guy. You know, nothing, nothing. Yeah. 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 No, I I feel you, buddy. I I feel you. Jaffiel. Jaffiel. Cut to Harless, Philby, and Skeeter laughing while drinking beers at the local bar. Outside, the building wind is picking up and trash is blowing around. Uh, I should have also mentioned that when when they killed um, Bubba, the camera kind of pans up and the wind sort of blows everywhere. I wish there was more use of wind in this movie. It, it's kind of it's kind of dabbled with, but not done too much. Yeah, I love the use of wind to represent like a, a, a spirit coming through. Um, you know, I feel like. Something Wicked This Way Comes kind of did that a little bit. Ghost story movies often do that. Yeah. They, yeah, they could have played that up more. I would have liked that too. Just give it a little, a little bit more. And of course, uh, uh, The Wind with Meg Foster and, and Wings Hauser that we reviewed. Yeah. But you and I are both a fan of wind in movies. And at the time of this recording, I'm having a windstorm outside. So. Are you really? Oh, yeah. Oh. It's crazy. It was supposed to be snowing up here right now, but I don't see it. Yes, you should be getting snow soon in your neck of the woods. My goodness. Your nape of the neck. (laughs) Oh, we got to talk about when you're going to Portland one of these days. We'll have to make some time for that. Cut to Mary Lee sleeping in her bed while her mom watches over her. She leaves the room, and and Frank, Mary Lee's dad, asks how she's doing. Uh, She leaves the room. uh, The mom. I wrote that sort of wonky, but the mom leaves the room. The mom says she's never been so scared in her life like she's been these past few weeks. We get uh, clues as to how much time has passed, you know, during the movie and everything. There is a dramatic time jump, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Because right now it's already been a few weeks since they actually killed Bubba. Uh, The dad says it's over now. The mom goes on, I never realized she was so attached to that man. He goes, what do you mean? 
It's the first thing she asked about. Where's Bubba? What happened to Bubba? I had to stop her from getting out of bed. She was going to go see him. The dad asks, didn't you tell her? The mom said she didn't have the heart to, especially in her condition. I just told her we'd talk about it another time. Oh, Frank, what are we going to tell her? The dad says, typical 80s fashion. Don't tell her anything. Just let it lie. And then there's like this this weird close-up of the mom's face where she like changes expression and then it like cuts, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, give her a Valium. Yeah. For the rest of her life and have her addicted to Valium and never have that wound healed. Yep. It'll always be an open wound. But this was very much the mentality of the 80s. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then kids got hooked on Valium because their parents didn't know what to do. And they just like, well, give them a sleeping pill. And, and that, that'll be fine. They can't sleep? Let's not talk about it. Let's just give them a sleeping pill. And that's what they did. They did that shit, man. I, I know. And and also, like, the dad clearly looks older than the mom, you know, because that's, like, another thing also. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> Wait. You, you make that sound like that's a bad thing. I, I, I don't know why I said it like that. I'm 10 years older than Myra. There's this old guy. <laughs> old like, guy. He's got this young, hot wife. What's <laughs> up with that? And she's not even that hot either. I don't no, even know I mean, what statement I was making. There. I mean, he might have thought that. Whatever. <laughs> she, she, she's, I'm sure she's a, she's a beautiful soul. <laughs> you got to meet Harless's wife soon. She's got her fingers in her mouth. <laughs> God. <laughs> then it cuts to Mary Lee in bed. The window in her room is open and the wind is blowing. Mary Lee wakes up and says, Bubba? She gets out of bed and puts on a nightgown over her... She, she gets out of bed and puts on a nightgown over her nightgown and her slippers on and crawls out the window into the night. Would you like a nightgown for your nightgown? Sure. I'll take a robe for my robe. <laughs> she like some more slippers with your slippers, please. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, so what kind of name is Poon, anyways? <laughs> Comanche. <laughs> <laughs> um i did watch this with my myra my wife um she she enjoyed the movie as as well although she felt the same way like these guys are pieces of shit but she did remark she's like why is that girl wearing like a sheer like night thing or something like that as she goes out she's like that's just that's ridiculous her daddy picked it out it's that's otis maybe gave it to her for christmas mm-hmm I reckon I need to take out that daddy, too. Mm-hmm. He's a piece of shit. Mm. I like how Sling Bl- or Bubba has become Sling Blade, but then he's also become, like, the Punisher, where he, like, punishes pedophiles. Mm-hmm. Stupid is as stupid does. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'd watch that movie, by the way. Oh, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Sling Blade takes it. A- yeah. Well, I mean, Sling Blade, like, hunting down pedophiles as the Punisher. Me, too. Yeah. I mean, shit. You gotta see. You gotta see Sling Blade. It it has some satisfying moments. Okay. Okay. And John Ritter is another Ritter. John Ritter mm. is fantastic in it. I forgot he was in that. Plays a, like a. He plays a local like. Uh, works at a shoppy, like some shop in town or whatever. Is so did did um what's his name bring him back then for for Bad Santa? Like was that his choice to to bring um? Oh Billy yeah, Bob? that's a. I, maybe, maybe, because I know Billy Bob, you know, he wrote... Uh, he, yeah, Swing Blade. He directed Swing Blade, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And then Dwight Yoakam is in it as well. Dwight Yoakam, if you, <laughs> he plays a piece of shit in that. <laughs> so he, good. He plays a piece of shit in Panic Room. Um, and then he kind of... Oh, that's right. And, and then he With plays... Uh, 
kind of a piece, not a piece of shit, but he a doctor. He plays a doctor to piece to a piece of shit in uh, in Crank. That's right. Yeah, and I think he's in Red Rock West too. No, maybe not. Okay. Anyways, yeah, Dwight Yoakam's great. Good. I love that guy. I do too. I, I, by the way, I Pan- love his music. Panic Room. I very much enjoyed that movie. Yeah, Jared Leto with his fucking corn rolls in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Dwight Yoakam was like, he had a mask on for like two thirds <laughs> of the film, and then he takes yeah. it off, and you're like, oh my god, it's Dwight Yoakam. It's Dwight Yoakam. I'm a million miles from nowhere. <laughs> That's a great song, by the way. Oh yeah, man. I'm, I'm, a, I like me some Dwight Yoakam. I got no beef with that guy. Cut to Mary Lee running to Bubba's house in the night. She walks over to his bedroom window and knocks, but gets no reply. Ali, Ali, Bump in the night. Dude, bump in the That's still my favorite of all the songs that we've heard on podcasting after dark. Now I'm thinking of the lyrics. Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. You threw me off. Uh, she gets no reply. Bubba. Mary Lee goes to the front door and walks into the silent house. Inside, she calls for Bubba, but again gets no reply, so she walks around looking for him. She finds the lay she made for him on the Bible, then hears a door close upstairs. She goes up thinking it's Bubba, but instead the mom walks out of the bedroom and is startled. Child! Child! (laughs) What in the world are you doing around this time of night? You should be home in bed. Mrs. Ritter takes Mary Lee downstairs to sit in front of the warm fire. Mary Lee asks where Bubba is. Mrs. Riddle looks shocked, then realizes what happened. Oh, child, nobody told you. Bubba's gone. Well, and then she doesn't really tell her either, but okay. Nope, she doesn't. Mary Lee asks where, where they can't hurt him no more. Mary Lee, not understanding at all what Mrs. Ritter's saying, asks, when is he coming back? And Mrs. Ritter just hugs her. Mary Lee insists on finding Bubba because he only knows his ABCs up to G. <laughs> he's physically mature. <laughs> he's physically mature, but he's got a brain that sounds of a peanut. She tells Mrs. Ritter, I know all the places he likes to go, where he hides. Come on, I'll show you. Mary Lee runs out of the house into the night, but Bubba's mom is in slow pursuit. Mary Lee, wait, child, you don't understand. Because you didn't fucking tell her either. No one no. is telling this poor fucking child what happened. Oh, man. At that moment, I was like, I was hoping the little girl would say, first they took mom and dad, and then they took Jody, and now they're going to come after me. By the way, our Phantasm review is tearing up the charts. Tearing As up the charts. As it should be. God damn it. Everyone listen to that. Come on now. Boy. Boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mrs. Ritter finds Mary Lee sitting in the field next to the wooden cross Bubba was killed on, singing the song she and him were singing at the beginning of the movie. Mary Lee looks up and smiles. Don't worry, Mrs. Ritter. Bubba's not gone. He's just being silly. Don't you know what he's doing? He's playing the hiding game. And I didn't know, like, I, you know, famously, if I don't know what the movie's about, I'm not going to read read up on it or anything like that. I was like, oh, is this is this going to turn supernatural? Like, I was expecting it to, but it doesn't really kick into high gear until, like, the last seven minutes that you really know that it's supernatural. Yeah. You know, so it does kind of keep that hidden, but okay. Supernatural. Cut to the next day, and Otis is delivering mail to a New York-sounding neighbor. We cut to Philby at his grain and feed farm, watching grain go up the conveyor belt and fall into a silo, foreshadowing. Cut back to Otis delivering mail and then reading someone's nudie mag before putting it in the mailbox. It's called, like, boudoir or something like that. Yeah. 
Well, I want to see what's inside this magazine here. <laughs> and then I'm going to judge you because he kind of looks over and judges them. But he's the piece of shit, though. Yep. As they do. As they always As perverts do. Yep. Look at you with your magazine. <laughs> Why is it sticky? Look at you with your pre-sticky magazine. <laughs> but I didn't do it. <laughs> at the gas station, Skeeter hurts his hand while working on a car engine. Cut to Otis dropping mail off at Harless's place. He says hi to Harless's wife, then drives off. Harless is cleaning his wood chipper's blades as his wife walks over to him to tell him about the upcoming church Halloween party. While she, she's like, we got invited to it. It's like, it's like the church Halloween party. It's the whole fucking community. Everyone's yeah. going. You don't need to be invited to it. Well, she's, th- this is clearly a woman who's being neglected by her husband. Husband could give two shits about her. She, and she's feeling every moment is special. You know, she goes into the, the, the department store and finds a dress and the guy who works there says that looks really nice on you and she suddenly believes that he's in love with her because he said it looks nice on you she goes and gets her hair done and the woman says you look fantastic and now suddenly she thinks she's a model because she said she looks fantastic you know it's like little things that little thing uh, she gets the thing telling her that uh, they're having the community Halloween party. And she thinks, oh, I've been and in- we've been invited. Everyone else is just going to attend. But we've been invited. No, stick your fingers back in your fucking mouth and go back inside your house. Because she does. Her fingers are practically in her mouth at one point. She's like, Argh. man, we are on fire tonight. You, fire. you, were, you were hot. <laughs> Hot, 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 hot. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm watching. I'm here for all of it, man. I'm here for all of it. It's great. This this is the thing. When when Corey when I break a movie down, Corey's the one coming in hot because he can do the commentary, and and, and I'm and I've got to stick to my notes. Vice versa. <laughs> Tales of turn, baby. <laughs> I'm back, baby. Uh, well, so while she's talking about about it, she looks out into the field and asks, "Have you started planting?" And of course, I mean, Harless is an asshole, so he seems annoyed. And he says, have you ever seen me planting this time of year? She says, no. Then why do you ask a lame brain question like that? She's, what a dick. What a dick. If, if I talked to my wife that way, I would have a punch to the stomach and then a divorce. <laughs> what kind of cuckoo brain puts a cactus in her purse? That's from California with a K. I haven't seen that since it came out on dvd in the mid 90s vhs maybe yeah brad brad pitt at its finest when he plays a redneck i like that movie but i've only seen it like maybe once or twice but i do remember digging oh, it i watched it several times but yeah i love that movie i feel like David i want to read duke i feel like i want to revisit that in way of the gun oh yeah okay yeah sure mm-hmm. sure sure mm-hmm. she says i thought it was kind of strange i mean if you're not planting, why would you put up a scarecrow? Harless stops working on the chipper and looks out into the empty field and sees the scarecrow. It looks just like the Bubba scarecrow. And there's some cool images, like cinematography with like the scarecrow out in the empty field and everything. It's kind of ominous and whatnot. It's cool, It's and it's creepy for sure, yeah. I wanted more of it. I wanted more of the scarecrow. I did too. I wanted more of it just in the background or something like like how the shape would be in some Halloween movies like you know he'd just be yeah. in the background doing shit. I want the scarecrow to be out there stand like you know and you and like not even a part of like 
like your attention or something unless you you know notice it. Yeah, yeah. Cut to Harless parking in front of the local diner and finding Philby and Skeeter inside eating lunch at a table. He sits down and accuses them of putting the scarecrow in his field to mess with him. Philby and Skeeter look shocked and insist it wasn't them. And of course, everyone's drinking midday. Of course, as they do, because their lives are terrible. <laughs> as they do in Peru, California, slash Texas. Peru. <laughs> P-I-R-U. That's the French word. That's a French drink. That's from Better Off Dead. Peru. And to drink, Peru. <laughs> okay, we got to discuss this, but give me, hold on one second. <laughs> Cut to Bunch's boarding house. We see Otis sitting in his room drinking whiskey alone during the day. And I do notice, too, that he doesn't, outside of him killing them, he's not kind of friends with them. Like, it's Phil, Philby, Harless, and Skeeter are friends. He's kind of, he's very much distant from them the entire movie. You know that he cries himself to sleep. Because. While he's masturbating. Yes. While he's masturbating. While he's masturbating to the picture of Eisenhower in front of a flag <laughs> because in his head, you know, it's 1981. He was maybe did, I would say maybe he did a tour in Korea because he looks older than maybe if he was in Vietnam. So he probably did Korea. But you know he was like, I didn't get to fight in, in the great World War II, the big one, and I'm, I'm upset about that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's that kind of guy. Yeah, he's like, oh, hail to the chief. I was quarterback. Uh, no, I was slot back in high school. I was a champion slot backer. Yeah. Now, fuck off. Just, like, get over it. Get over yourself. Be proud of the fact that you deliver mail. That's not. That's a noble profession. Yeah. Sincerely. And I mean that sincerely. I'm not making fun. That hat is not noble, though. <laughs> so, what is... This what is the deal with this place? Is it a retirement home? Because he looks too young to be in a retirement home, but everyone else there is old. And so a lady runs this place, this this boarding house, bunches boarding house, large Marge, um, runs it. So I don't doesn't look like there's like a bathroom in his room. So he probably shares the bathroom with the hall. What is this? And like, how did he end up here? You know what I mean? I think boarding houses were a thing back then. Like you could, you rented a room. It's basically like a, an, a, a variation on the motel. You know, like you could live. You lived with a, in a with a community basically. So, it, there's no apartment complexes. Clearly, it's not a town that's going to have apartment complexes. So, what is what does the person do like Otis, who isn't married and probably and doesn't clearly make enough money to own land? Where does he live? He lives at this boarding house where an old yep. lady cooks for everyone, I guess. Yep. Yep. Interesting. I think that was a thing back then. Maybe it was a thing kind of in the South. It's almost like a long-term bed and breakfast. Yeah. More, more, probably more popular in rural areas. Yeah. Where they couldn't build apartments and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. And it totally tracks. You don't make enough money to own, own a house or rent or whatever. Yeah. So he's sitting in the room drinking whiskey. Um, he has a picture of Eisenhower in front of a flag over his case of guns and stuff. You know, you know, you know what kind of person he is. Just then, Mrs. Bunch knocks on the door, telling him that he has visitors downstairs. He puts away his pistol and his whiskey, then shoots some Bianca Binaca into his mouth, like a giant thing of it too. 
Yeah, you remember when that was a thing? Yeah. Sprayed in your mouth. At this point in the movie, I wrote down, I never need to see Charles Durning again. <laughs> it's it, Ever again. It's a lot. This movie, Charles Durning has the most screen time in this movie. Oh, yeah, and they're like, Charles Durning stars in Dark Knight of the Scare. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to see him anymore. Yeah. I want I want to see that DA on the hunt. Yeah, me too. In Sam. the field looking, yeah, looking for something. Yeah, I wish we got more of him. I really, really do. Uh, cut to Otis walking down the stairs, and he's greeted by Harless, Philby, and Skeeter at the bottom. And, you know, I know we're shitting on this, these characters left and right, but all the actors are doing great jobs of, like, emoting across their face. Charles Durning, like, he does a great job of, like, smiling, but you can tell there's something behind it. Like, they're all acting well. The problem that we have is the characters are all pieces of shit. No, we're we're not shitting on the movie because the movie is executed very well, and and effectively because I don't if they if it wasn't then we might not dislike these guys as much as we do, but yeah. we dislike them so much because they are doing such a fine job. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> un, un you're doing a fine job, and I hate you. <laughs> Thank you, and I'm sorry. Okay. Did you know there's like three older men sitting on the couch behind them? Um, Harless asks if they can talk. Otis asks if it can wait. They're getting ready to have dinner. Harless says, Otis, now. Otis tells them to come up, but doesn't look pleased. And then also, too, like when they go into Otis's room, I get you get the sense that none of these guys have ever been in there before. And, he, and they all like. I think they're all married or all have houses. Even probably Skeeter has a house. And, like, even Philby, like, looks around. He's like, oh, like, you can see on his face. He's like, oh, this is where you live. And he, you can tell he feels sorry for Otis for a second. Yeah, it, it's the character in the movie that, like, talks up how cool he is. And then you realize that he lives in a really dilapidated place. Yeah. And that is supposed to get that normally would give you sympathy for a character. Not in Otis's case. No, no, not at all. Like, you know, the the guy who's, like, a, like abused by his dad when he goes home or whatever. The teen, you know. Yeah. Uh, but nope, not this guy. No. No, no. Otis has zero redeeming qualities. Once inside his room, Otis closes the door and says, I told you never to come over here. Do you know how this looks? Philby says, he's seen it, Otis. Seen what? Harless answers, the scarecrow. The same one. Bullet holes and everything. Just like before. Except now it's filled with straw. Otis looks at them suspiciously and asks where. Harless says, in my pasture. I figured I figured they'd done it, and nods to Philby and Skeeter. Philby says, wasn't us. Skeeter backs him up. Harless says, somebody knows, Otis. No. It didn't walk out there by itself. Otis repeats, nobody knows. Harless says, well, somebody put it out there. To which Otis replies, of course. Who do you think? Harless says, oh my God. God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Philby doesn't understand. He looks at Harless. Who are you talking about? Sam Willock. Skeeter asks, the district attorney? Why? Otis says, because he's trying to shake you, and you did exactly what he expected. Philby asks, what should they do? Otis says, nothing. Go home. You've done enough already. Just go home and keep your mouth shut. For God's sakes, don't bunch up like this. You got guilty written all over you. Go on. As the men are leaving the room, Otis says, And one other thing, don't ever come up here again for anything, ever. 
it's like when you you know have a three-way with your buddy and and then you never <laughs> want to see your buddy again because because you've you know, seen too much it, yeah you, you touched him or something and it was awkward <laughs> not that that's ever happened to me <laughs> things brushed against one another <laughs> appendages did you ever see that movie threesome with um with uh Stephen Baldwin mm. and uh Laura Fin Laura Flynn Boyle and I, I can see the cover, the VHS Josh. cover in my head, but I never watched yeah. it. It's a good movie. It's a good movie, but it's one of those moments where it's like everything changed after that fateful day. <laughs> okay, that okay. See younger me would have watched it probably for the sleaze, but way so when I was even younger, <laughs> I watched that movie Whore. Um, and realized that sometimes the title, there wasn't a lot of whoring in that movie. I mean, there was, no. but like there wasn't a lot of nudity or sex in it. It was more of a, you know, drama and everything. And I learned early on that, you know what, sometimes if a movie's called Threesome or something, it's probably not going to actually be in the movie. No, but it's a great soundtrack. It's actually a really good movie, but it, it, it's more of a drama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put, do, make a, do a double feature with horror and Bad Lieutenant, and that will make you want to kill yourself when you're done. Dude, Jesus. I watched horror when I was like 12 or something, dude. I, I, th- I think I watched it for the same reason. Yeah. I was like, oh, Teresa Russell. Ooh. And I just I don't remember there being like anything that I wanted to see in that movie. Nope. <laughs> this was the sound through the whole this, this is what I heard through the whole thing because I was fast forwarding the whole thing <laughs> I know I think I fast forwarded some of it too dude I know <laughs> and it never stopped with because <laughs> there's nothing in it man there's nothing oh and horror. credits <laughs> <laughs> oh, cut to Arliss parking his truck in the front of his house he gets out and takes a swig from a bottle then he grabs a flashlight. That's the theme of the movie, by the way. Drinking out that that little bottle of uh, whiskey or whatever, you oh, know. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, Grandpa's cough syrup. Ex- exactly. So he grabs his flashlight and walks out to the field where uh, where he found the scarecrow. All that stands there now is the wooden cross. He kicks it over, and it clearly the production. It's not like in the ground, you know. So he kicks it, just yeah. flops over essentially. <laughs> Carlos walks back to his front porch and takes another swig. Then he hears his wood chipper turn on in the barn. Harless turns around just in time to see the lights inside the barn go on. He runs over and goes inside. I was not expecting sort of where this went. Happily. Once inside the barn, Harless slowly walks over to the wood chipper and turns it off. Okay, you can come out now. Sam, I know what you're up to. He yells into the dark. Harless he- hears rustling from the area above, and bits of hay fall down. Oh, I just assumed that was the hay that was on the ground, but that might be from from Bubba. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. He thinks Sam is up on the second floor of the barn and climbs the ladder to catch him. Come on down, Sam. I gotta close this place up. But once Harless gets to the second floor, he doesn't see anyone. This is this is kind of weird. Just a large wooden chest and hay. Like I would assume that Harless knows that he put that chest up there, but he acts like he didn't put it there. You know? Yeah. It. I mean, there's no real connection to Bubba at this point so far. Yes, and at this point, right? I would just rather have seen him get up there and see the scarecrow up there. Yeah. You know. Me too. That would have been great and shocked, and then and then what the same happens. the same thing happens. So, yep. 
Harless grabs a sickle and walks to the chest. He looks down and see he sees he's the above the wood shepherd. As Harless is walking across a beam to the wood to the wooden chest, the wood shepherd turns on, startling him. Harless loses his balance and screams as he falls into the wood shepherd. All right, I was not expecting him to die this horribly, but guys and gals, there's no blood. You don't see anything, but you do hear it. And I was like, I was like, wow, I was not expecting that. But I think you could have had the same outcome with the scarecrow there because I. I felt the same thing you did. I didn't see the connection to Bubba with that chest thing, you know? No, no. It's a missed opportunity, but it's a great death. And you know what it reminded me of? The Exterminator's death. Remember when he killed uh, the movie The Exterminator, when he killed that the mafia guy in the, in the meat grinder? Yes. Yeah, totally. Very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Satisfying death number one. Check. Check. One less piece of shit to worry about. One down, three to go. <laughs> Cut to Mrs. Bunch scooping, and this is this was great. So he falls into it, and then it oh, yeah, immediately cuts to Mrs. Bunch scooping a portion of strawberry preserves onto Otis's plate, and yeah. it completely on purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's it's great. He's having breakfast with the other old people at the boarding house. As the food is being passed around. It, I don't like watching people eat in movies. It kind of grosses me out. And this is one of those, oh, let me get them portions in. You know? Oh, yeah, this is delicious. Mm-hmm. And he takes so much, too, like so many portions. Yeah. I think the only time I enjoyed watching someone eat is in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <clears throat> Grandpa? Yes. <laughs> oh, shuck it. Oh, oh man. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah, I'm going Greg Ball knows how to. Just hitting her in the head with the fucking mallet thing. <laughs> so fucking funny, man. <laughs> that movie's hilarious. I love that movie, fucking dude. It's so good. Uh, as the food is being passed around, one of the older guys, uh, Mr. Loomis, uh, you, you, you brought up earlier. Yep. I tell you, if you've never seen Longest Yard, you're missing out on some quality shit. That movie's fantastic. And he, like, I feel like we don't have any of these old actors anymore. He looks like a picture of someone from the Great Depression. Like, that's what we don't, he looked like. But we don't have those actors anymore, sadly. Uh, you know, we got John Voight, who's now sadly a piece of crap, too. You know, we get, like, old like legendary actors from our generation who are older now, but they've had work done. So they don't look old anymore. Yeah. You know, they all look skin, tight skin and shit. And it's like, you're never going to get an older woman because Jane Fonda had, you know, Jane Fonda is not going to look old because she had work done on her face, yeah. you know? And like, and then, and then if they look too old, then, then they don't want to hire them, which is so lame, you know? Whereas this guy looks like what you look like when you have had no work done and you're like 79 years old. Right? I, so David Patrick Kelly, who I had on $2 Late Fee, right? He talked about a little bit about ageism in Hollywood and how you see people, like, they're not hiring older people, right? And uh, But that dude looks, yeah. he's not that old. But man, he can look grizzled, yeah, and real. So hire that guy for every fucking movie when it comes to being an older person, you know. But yeah, pops from Longest Yard, Mr. Loomis, so good. They'd rather pay like a 
39-year-old actor and then CGI make them older. Yeah, you're going to have Vince Vaughn when he's like 70 playing a character. And you're like, ah, that's fucking Vince Vaughn, though. (laughs) I know, right? I liked him in Swingers. Shit. As the food is being passed around, one of the older guys, Ludmus, is talking about all the excitement that morning. Mrs. Bunch asks if they heard all the sirens. Otis didn't hear them. Must have been before you were up. Several of them went past. Guess it was around 6 o'clock, wouldn't you say, Mr. Loomis? Mr. Loomis says, 5.58. I take my walk at 5.30. That's how I know. It was 5.58 when the sheriff went by. It was around 6 o'clock straight up when the ambulance went past. And it was 6.09 when the district attorney took out. Otis looks up and asks, district attorney? Mr. Loomis hands him some pancakes. Here, Hazel Rig, you missed the flapjacks. Yep, that one went right out after the other. Went out of town like their tails were on fire. Say, Hazel Rig, that was Harless over here last night, wasn't it? Otis mumbles, uh-huh, as he's, like, eating. Loomis goes on, well, what do you know? You're here one minute, and the next one snaps his finger. Harless ground himself up in his bush machine last night. And Otis stops chewing and looks up at Loomis. Cut to Harless's place in the corner is putting a body in the ambulance. Nah, that body would have been in a bag and it would have been in pieces because it's like a yeah, yeah, it's like a blanket was covering. I'm like, no, yeah. no, no. Uh, Otis, here's your here's your dead husband. Yeah, well, that's a bucket. Yep, that's your dead husband. Yep. Otis pulls up in his mail truck and watches as people help Harless's wife walk to the police car. She's crying and distraught. Sam, the DA opens the door for her, then looks back at Otis before getting in next to her. Cut to the post office at night as Philby and Skeeter are having it out with Otis. What about Harless? Otis says, that was an accident. Philby is shocked and says, an accident? I'm telling you what they said. And you believe that? Otis looks annoyed. Well, what else? He was working, grinding brush all day. Philby says, in the barn? In the middle of night? Otis rationalizes it. He was drinking. They found a bottle out there. The judge ruled it an accident, and as far as I'm concerned, that finishes it. Skeeter says, Yeah, but they don't know everything, Mr. Hazelrig. They don't know about the scarecrow. Otis chuckles, Scarecrow? There wasn't there wasn't any scarecrow. I looked. There wasn't anything out there. Philby says there was last night. He goes on, Otis, Harless was right. We're in trouble. Somebody knows. Otis says, not yet, but they will if Philby keeps drawing on about it. Philby gets agitated. You said it was Sam Willock. Well, it don't look like that now. Because it was an accident. Philby says calmly, then who turned the machine off? Philby goes on, you said the machine was off when they found him. It ran out of gas, Otis speculates. Philby steps forward, how do you know? I think this um, one of my problems I have with this scene is that, like, they're this arguing that they have going on like Philby's almost too smart to be making coming up with the but what what about this and what about that you know Otis has already kind of been described as being like intelligent and the other ones are kind of idiots and for Philby to kind of counter him constantly it just I think I had a harder time with that because I'm like who gives a shit like you all need to die you all need to die you know, here, like you're having the bad guys 
kind of trying to piece together this puzzle when typically that's like the good guys trying to figure it out. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what like like Sam the DA should have figured this shit out because it also makes the, the cops look like bumbling idiots. And, and I know what you mean because it's always like it's given a lot of agency to these four assholes, which and maybe like if they filmed it differently where we didn't quite know if it was self-defense or not, we could maybe be on the fence. But we as the audience know they killed him in cold blood. Like, we know that. So at this point, there's nothing that's going to redeem them. So, I, you know, so having them have all this agency to ultimately they're all going to die. You're like, well, I don't makes these scenes like a little bit less tense. They want them to be tense, but it makes it less tense because you're like, I'm not connecting with anyone here. Do you know what I mean? No, I think it would have been even better if the DA shows up at Otis's house and like starts talking to him It basically says the things that Philby says and Otis is trying to like, you know, what? Well, yeah, no, it just ran out of gas. See, you know, that's what happened. Yeah. And then Philby and then the DA countering him and, you know, just being pissed off and like saying or confronting him, you know, basically at the steps of his halfway house or wherever the fuck he's at, you know, the boarding house. I don't know. I would have liked to seen that, but we didn't. So, yeah, no, I mean, I know what you mean. It's, it's hard to make a movie where the antagonists are the protagonists. And and we've discussed other movies. I can't pull it off the top of my head right now, but we have discussed other movies where that works, you know? Yeah. Uh, but here, and I, I mean, I think this movie does work, but I yeah, think yeah. ultimately we get kind of, correct me if I, I, I'm not trying to speak for you, but ultimately I think we get kind of fatigued by the fact that, like, we spend so much time with the people that we know are pieces of shit that we're, like, anytime, like, Mary Lee comes on, I'm like, oh, I want to see somebody that I can actually, like, care about. Because ultimately, we, yeah. don't, we don't care about these guys because we want them to die. Yeah, totally. That's exactly how I feel. You read my mind. <laughs> Cut to Otis, Philby, and Skeeter breaking into Harless's barn. They walk over to the wood chipper and see a piece of bloody clothing hanging off of it. You think this whole place would be, you know, quarantined off, you know, or whatever. Uh, yeah. But okay. Taped off. Yeah. Or, yeah. Police tape. They walk over to the gas tank, and I never even would have thought of this. So I guess they're smarter than me. Uh, they take off the cap, then they stick the wooden end of a hoe down inside of a hoe. <laughs> down inside of a dip, uh, like a dipstick, basically. Otis pulls it out, and the handle is wet. Philby says, Good. Ooh. Philby says, good God, it's almost full. Skeeter asks, then who turned it off? Otis says, the same person who turned it on. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cut to the next day, and Otis is driving his mail truck up to Mrs. Ritter's house. When he gets out of the truck, he sees Mary Lee standing on the front porch. Otis takes a f- step forward, and Mary Lee runs off. Otis looks suspiciously at Mrs. Ritter's house. He knocks on the door, and she's surprised to see him there. Otis says he has a package she needs to sign for. Mrs. Ritter opens the door and signs for the package. As she's closing it, Otis stops the door with his foot. She tells him to get off her property. Otis says, a friend of mine was killed the other night. She says, so I heard. They all think it was an accident. I don't. Bubba's mom smiles and says, there's other justice in this world. That should be the tagline of this movie. She says it multiple yeah, times. Yeah, it should be. What you sow, so shall you reap. Otis says, an eye for an eye, 
She goes on a tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, foot for a foot, and Otis asks a life for a life. Mrs. Ritter says, wait just a minute. You think that... Don't flatter yourself, Mr. Hazelrig. There ain't ten like you worth my son's life. Otis says, word to the wise, Mrs. Ritter. It's even now. Let it lie. That well, could also be a, a title for the movie, Let It Lie. Yep. <laughs> Bubba's mom smiles and says, not hardly. It ain't even. Not as long as you walking. You don't fool me, Mr. Hazelrig. Not for a minute. I see how you look at that little girl. And that's what I was like, what now? Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere at that point. Otis stiffens up and walks towards his truck with Mrs. Ritter right behind him. You may think you've got the rest of them fooled, but I know exactly what you are. Stay away from her, Hazel Rig. Otis gets in his truck and drives off while Mrs. Ritter's yelling, It's a small town. Everybody talks. <laughs> and I was like, so I'm just like, I did not see this accusation coming, you know? Right, right. But it, and two things, two things I wish I would have seen in the in this moment. One, her stomping on his foot when she when he put his foot in there, yeah. that would have been classic. And then her also just calling him Otis because she doesn't he doesn't deserve to have the uh, Mister Hazelrig, you know, Mister the Mister the 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 politeness that that comes with that. And then thirdly, the the whole Bible thing to just be like, well. That throw that out the book or throw that throw that out the window, um, but you know, th- having him suddenly be a pervert makes it even worse. I know. Makes you hate him even more, and you're just like, oh, this guy. But he's just like, oh, how am I gonna get out of here? You know, it. It's also too like, it reminds me a little bit like of. Um, what if that movie Jeepers Creepers was all through the perspective of the creature mm. hunting everyone? Right. And, and, and then, or the, or the people, everybody that the creature's seeking are, are, are pieces of shit, you know? And then suddenly you don't, you, you want to see more of a comeuppance. I think actually I would not be surprised if the, that, 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 well, speaking of pieces of shit, the director, the director of that yeah. movie, <laughs> Uh, was influenced a little bit about little bit by this, maybe a little bit more of Otis. He was influenced by personally, <laughs> yeah, but um, seriously, what a shame because that movie actually is really good. And it's too bad that you know you can't watch it. You watch it now and you're like, it's Ooh, he's clearly living out his fantasies through this character. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Shades of Jeepers Creepers played up for me in this. I I felt that. I felt that, and I'm I'm with you, man. I actually enjoyed the first movie, but. You know, I can't really go and watch it now because we don't you know, want to support that guy, and and it just it colors it and everything. But and just more so the fact that like he was living out his he's the creeper yeah, in that he's, movie. He's he's the jeeper creeper. Yeah. You know, same with Powder. Yeah. Like he was living out his fantasies of putting. Ugh, just so if you guys don't know what we're talking about, I'm not gonna even give him the time of mentioning his name. Just look up the director of Jeepers Creepers. He's a guy's a real piece of shit. Uh, speaking of pieces of shit, yeah. this is a piece of shit episode. <laughs> yes. It's the best piece of shit episode you've ever heard. <laughs> you're gonna be, you're gonna be like so entertained by this. I'm swear to God, everyone's like, give us more of this. <laughs> and if you want more, go to our Patreon and sign up for our podcasting after dark wrap up show because we rant on tons of shit, good, bad, and everything else in between. Uh, so go yep. sign up for that. It's worth it. 
check us out. We also announced the movies that we're going to be reviewing uh, the next month as well. Yeah, there's a lot of teasing going on. <laughs> there, there is. <laughs> <laughs> you tease me again, I'll chop your dick off. <laughs> <laughs> I said chop your dick off and my next line is uh, cut to Philby walking out of his office eating a sandwich a cock meat sandwich (laughs) Mm -hmm. it was the most delicious cock meat sandwich he ever had in his mouth Mm -hmm. it's sunset and he looks over his farm to see a lone scarecrow out by the field Philby runs out to it and falls to his knees in front of of the straw filled figure and grabs his chest as the wind picks up again I wish we had more of the wind motif. Uh, I wish we did, and I wish his heart exploded in this moment. It would have been much more satisfying death. Much more satisfying. Heart explosion. Yeah, his might be the least satisfying death of all of them. Well, and it was ripped off uh, about a year later in a a Harrison Ford movie. Uh, Witness? Yep. I like that movie. That movie's fantastic. Wolfgang Peterson, I believe, directed that. Yeah, that's a movie that... I watched a lot when I was young, like, I, and, I, and I liked it for some reason. Because you know? it was on HBO all ah, the time, even though it was rated R. That's right. <laughs> uh, sorry, Peter Weir directed it. Peter okay. Weir directed um, uh, Dead Poet Society. Okay. And and uh, but yeah, that movie came out in 1985. That is a it's a classic. It's very well done. It's yeah. A beautiful thriller romance. Yeah, Harrison Ford is fucking great in it, man. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. Cut to the Halloween party at the local high school. The adults are dancing and the kids are bobbing for apples. We see Mary Lee as one of them. She says to her friends, let's go play hide and seek. And they all leave the dance area and run to the back door into the school. By the way, how badly did you want to hear lightning strikes in this moment? <laughs> dude, dude. <laughs> did you like how Otis was like looking through the window, but behind the skeleton mask on the, or not the skeleton mask, but skeleton decoration on the window. And he's like, looking. yeah, it's creepy. Yeah. Now uh, it's like through the eyes of a pedophile now, yeah. dude. Ugh. Yeah. And he looks demented when he's looking in. Um, Inside the school hallway, Mary Lee covers her eyes and counts uh, to 100 at intervals of five. When she finally looks, she sees Otis standing there in the hallway. I mean, this is probably the freakiest part of the the whole movie, you know? Yeah. 
Uh, Mary Lee, because also, too, like, Mary Lee and, and Mrs. Ritter are the only, and, and Sam, the DA, are the only characters we care about, but arguably we care the most about Mary Lee. So whenever she and Otis are on screen together, I get scared for her. Yeah, me too. So she opens her eyes and sees him standing there. Mary Lee starts backing away, but Otis says, Now, wait a minute. I'm not here to hurt you. He bends down. Now, you're not afraid of me. I'm the mailman. No one's afraid of the mailman. Wasn't Ed Gein Ugh. a mailman or something? No, but, um, but you know, it, it really tracks with perverts and people, people that you know in your life that are scumbags. We've all had someone in our life that you look back and you're like, that's somebody I should have stayed away from. Yeah. Or that's someone that should have uh, been at an arm's distance, you know. My mom reached reached out to me years later after some shit, and she's like, I'm sorry I never was there for you when this stuff happened. And I'm like, it's okay. I mean, you didn't see it, and I'm not horribly scarred by it. So, you know. <laughs> You're like, I'm only a little scarred. It's okay. <laughs> I'm only a little. I can talk about it and, you know, not feel <laughs> terrible about it. But, yeah, man, like, you know, people, like, you, you got to look out for people. You get, you know, yeah. this guy's scumbag. He probably smells like alcohol and B.O. And he, and he thinks he's hiding it, but he's not, you know, and everybody yep. knows, you know. Yep. And he, and he thinks he's, he thinks he's kind of, he thinks he's cool, but he's not because he's super insecure. Yeah. He looks you at see her. see my dog, by the way? I see, this. <laughs> I see her. Yeah, she's cute. He looks at her costume and says, let me see if I can guess who you are. And he kind of looks her up and down again. You're like, oh, that's gross now. And he's like, he looks her up and down. Yeah. It's disgusting. And he goes, mommy, right? And Mary Lee kind of nods. Did you show your costume to Mrs. Ritter? She's a friend, isn't she? She's a friend of mine, too. Bet you didn't know that, did you? You know what I think? I think Mrs. Ritter is trying to play a joke on me and my friends. I bet she told you about it. Mary Lee just stares at Otis. Is it a secret? You can tell me. I won't say a word. Come on. I'm not going to hurt you. You can. You come whisper it into my ear, and it'll still be a secret. I, I'm screaming, Ugh. don't go near him. Disgusting. Mary Lee, This, but this is baller move, dude. Mary Lee walks over to Otis's ear and says, I know what you did to Bubba. I was like, fuck yeah, Mary Lee. <laughs> it is... It is one of the most satisfying moments in the movie. She and she backs away immediately because she's not an idiot, which I also yeah. like. She's not She's cool. Yeah, she's cool. She's awesome. Like as far as like kid characters can be hit or miss, I think she's awesome. I want to put her with uh what's her face from Psycho Gorman. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I want yeah. those two to fucking team up, man. Yeah, put put her them and those two and then uh, Hit Girl all together and then just fucking go go kill pedophiles. Dude, yeah, Mimi, and fuck it, just do it. Yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> and tell them sing Frig Off on their way. So, uh, Otis looks in disbelief, and you lied about him. She goes, and you lied about him. Otis asks where she heard that. He told me. He told me everything. Otis looks at her intently and growls, Mary Lee, you know that's not true. Mrs. Ritter told you to say that, right? Mary Lee firmly says no. Otis then asks, Otis asks, then who was it? Mary Lee says, I told you, it was Bubba. Otis gets angry and says, Bubba didn't tell you anything. Bubba's dead. 
Mary Lee says, I know, and runs down the hall. That's when I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's great. Otis pauses for a second, then chases after her, but is stopped by a security guard. He says the party's up front. Otis gives him a sly smile and sort of backs away. By the way, you know, subtle hero is that security guard because you know the girl just ran past him, you know, and he's probably like, what? And then this old guy comes right around the corner. But I love how he's like, go back that other way, you know? Yeah, and the security guard knows what's up. I, I, he probably does. I think when she, I think when Mrs. Ritter was yelling, er, people talk like small towns, people talk. I don't think she was saying, if you do this, they will talk. I think she was saying, everybody knows how you look at her and everyone's talking. Yep. But we can't forget that everyone pretty much was in that courthouse when cheering him on. Yes. Cheering him on. Yes. So it's a little bit of, you know, so. Almost as if maybe if we if we got Mary Lee out of this town, maybe her and her family, send in uh, the tall man. This town could probably use uh, this town could probably be murdered and it would be okay. You think that when you go to Piro or whatever the <laughs> fuck that name of that town is, you come to podcasting after dark. <laughs> Good one. Boring. <laughs> Good reference, buddy. Uh, uh, I saw uh, Dawn of the Discs announced a, and it was like in a thick package. So I thought it was a Phantasm like box set, you know, a 4K box set. It was just just Phantasm one. I was like, God damn it! It's the J.J. Abrams uh, cut, remastered or cut or whatever. Yeah, Come, it's fine. You don't need to fucking clean it up anymore. It's fine. Nah. Just put a box set out again arrow yeah seriously and don't put it in a ball because that just, just it's hard, it's hard to put that on the shelf <laughs> yeah, i know I, i'd rather just have the dvds displayed normally just put it in thank a book you. man thank you thank you <laughs> uh, back at the halloween dance otis asks for a drink and the lady dresses the wicked witch pours him a spiked punch then says she forgot he doesn't drink then pours a non-alcoholic once so you also find out that he's like she's like oh i forgot you were 10 years sober and she kind of she kind of judges him for that by the way she's like <laughs> As, uh, uh, and she's like i guess i'll give you a regular one i was like holy shit everyone in this town's a piece of shit yeah and they st- it starts coming out that they like they know he's a piece of shit yeah but yet they cheered him on when he was found innocent. And then they judge him when he doesn't drink because he's trying to be sober, even though he's not. I guess it's their way of saying they hate people with special needs more than Otis. Yes, yes, yes. That is actually very true. And that is disgusting. People like that should go fuck themselves. <laughs> she probably did that night because her mm. husband wasn't fucking her, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like wow. every husband's like harless you know yeah when she walks away from the bowl otis ditches the non-alcoholic drink and fills up one with alcohol he turns around smiling to survey the party but that smile turns into a frown when he sees philby and skeeter making their way through the crowd philby says i seen it meanwhile what what people come up to otis otis who are you dressed up as tonight who the fuck do you think i'm dressed up as UPS, what can Brown do for you? I'll tell you what Brown can do for you. It can make you smell like shit because I just crapped my pants and I, I got one outfit. One outfit, one outfit goddammit. The United States Postal Service gives you one outfit. You got to wear the whole goddamn week, goddammit. And I'm drinking this punch and it tastes like shit. 
<laughs> now, Otis, I ask you if you want a cake. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, or more jam or whatever the f- preserves or whatever the fuck that was. I want you jar my preserves because that's what we do down here. Large Apricot? March. No, peach. I hate peach. Man, like... Do you think like her cooking, like her buying all that food at the the boarding house, like is that padded into the rent? Like is is her time yes. padded yes. into the rent? Yes, twenty five bucks a week. Wow, wow. Cut to the three <laughs> men walking through Philby's field at night, looking for the scarecrow. They walked up to the spot where he saw the scarecrow, but now it's gone. Philby says it was right here, right here. Otis says they've gone over this ground a dozen times now. Philby falls to his knees and says, No, it was here, damn it. Right before dark, I was right here looking at it. Philby stands up and looks at Otis and Skeeter and says, Don't look at me that way. I'm not crazy. I saw it, just like Harless. Otis Otis suggests they come back in the morning, but Philby says he can't wait until the morning. Otis says they should at least go inside and discuss it. If somebody sees them standing out here in the field, they may wonder what's going on. For God's sakes, Otis, is that all you can worry about? Philby shoots back. Then he says, the thing's pointing at me. Skeeter says maybe they should tell the sheriff. But of course, Otis shoots that idea down. You want to spend the rest of your life in prison? Philby says it's better than dying. Then he looks right at Otis and says, you listen to me, Otis, and you listen good. You got me into this. Now you just think of something to get me out quick, or I'm going in. Otis just stares at him while Skeeter looks back and forth between the men. Cut to Mrs. Ritter, Bubba's mom, sitting in her house by the fire. She hears a noise come from the kitchen and goes to check it. The back door is open and the screen is slamming against it. She closes them and locks the door, then lights her stove and puts a pot of water to boil. Mrs. Ritter sits in her chair by the fire and goes back to knitting. Out of nowhere, a hand comes through the back of the rocking chair and grabs her mouth. It's Otis. I warned you. I warned you and gave you a chance, and you wouldn't listen. Now I'm warning you for the last time. Stop it. I know it was you. I'm not going to let you panic these men. Now I'm willing to make a trade, an eye for an eye. We're even, okay? Otis takes his hand off of Mrs. Ritter's mouth and she immediately screams. I love that. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. He quickly covers it again. Stop it. Stop it, damn you. You listen to me. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to let you go, okay? No tricks, all right? As Otis takes his hand off of Mrs. Ritter's mouth, her head slumps over. When he stands up, he realizes what happens and falls back in shock, knocking over a table. Okay, two things. One, yes, <laughs> she's. You can see her breathing, but she does do the eye acting. Like she, you can see. Like the second time watching this, I was like, "Let me see if I can figure out when Mrs. Ritter, quote unquote, dies." You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was when she. That was the. That was her last breath when she screamed out. Yeah, yeah. Good point. But her last gasp. But part. But two. I didn't see this coming either. I didn't see her getting, I didn't see her dying, even though she's breathing the entire time. (laughs) It's hilarious because you're like, oh, come on. Just try to breathe. Just try to hold your breath. Just try. Just try. try." And the thing is, it's it's all one take. That's the thing. Yeah. 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 No. And suddenly she's dead. And I didn't see what was going to come next either. Mm -hmm. I'm like, God damn. Yeah. 
This is getting worse. I know. I know. Otis keeps making things worse. Uh, when he stands up, he realizes what happens, and he falls back in shock, knocking over a table. Otis runs to the back door and unlocks it in a panic. Then the tea kettle goes off, and he spins around in shock. And this is him kind of playing things a little bit at an 11. I kind of would have actually, the director... Had him just tone it down to a nine or something, because he is his hair's crazy. He's just like, ah! <laughs> you know. And and speaking of Phantasm two, it's a little, kind of a maybe Don Coscarelli saw this and he's like, oh, that's a good way to explode a house. <laughs> yeah, there there you go. <laughs> Slowly he walks over to the kettle and takes it off the burner. Then he extinguishes the stove's flame, but keeps the gas running and drives away. The house yep. explodes when the gas from the stove reaches the fireplace next to Mrs. Ritter's dead body. Fan- Phantasm 2. Boom. Goes up, baby. It goes up. It's not It's not a bad explosion for a TV movie either. No, no, it's definitely not. The next day, we see Mary Lee picking flowers and walking through a field. When she sees what's left of Mrs. Ritter's house, she runs up to it in disbelief. Inside the rubble, D.A. Sam is talking to the fire inspector about the cause of the explosion. The officer says it was a gas leak from the kitchen stove. He's seen it plenty of times before. These old folks let their equipment run down. It wasn't intentional. Sam asks him to look the house over again. The inspector asks if he's looking for anything special. Just one shred. And I love how he's like, you know, the camera looks at it and the the... the Police guys or the the fire chief's like, what would you say? And he's like, oh, oh no no nothing nothing I didn't say it. You know, <laughs> the day dies just one shred. Just one what? Shred. One shredded wheat. <laughs> Damn it! Again, I love the DA. I love DA Sam. Man, I wanted to see more of him. Yeah, me too. I think I think this is the last time we actually even see him. I, it is. Cut to Mary Lee sitting outside of her house, singing to her doll, but looking up. Again, it's the same song she was singing to Bubba at the beginning of the movie. We also see Otis delivering mail, Philby working on his farm. He looks worried. It's Skeeter pumping gas. Later, and then, you know, looking back now, you realize that, okay, Mary Lee might have been, she's singing to the ghost of Bubba. She sees him. He's standing. Yeah. I think he's standing right there. Yep. Late that night at Philby's feed and grain farm, Philby is finishing up paperwork in his office. No one else is around. All of a sudden, his hogs start freaking out in their pens. Philby cautiously goes outside to check on them. The hogs calm down, and Philby looks around in the darkness. Just then, a noise startles him by the metal silo. He grabs a bat to investigate, but only finds a metal chain hitting against the silo. Philby laughs at himself, then anchors the chain to keep it from swinging. He starts walking back to his office when he looks up and sees the shadow of a man go through the door and turn off the lights from the inside. Philby drops his bat and runs to his truck. And by the way, writing-wise, I like that he doesn't go and investigate. He's like, nope, I'm going right to my truck. Yeah, no, it's smart for a piece of shit. For a piece of crap. He tries to start it, but it won't turn over. Philby gets out of the car and checks the engine, but then hears someone walking towards him. He runs to the grain silo and goes in through the door at the base and locks it behind him. Once the footsteps walk by, Philby tries to open the door, but the handle won't budge. Just then, the grain conveyor belt turns on and grain starts falling in from the top of the silo. Philby starts screaming and banging on the door, but it still won't open. He's eventually buried alive under the weight of the grain. A la witness. 
ripping it off a few years later, perhaps. Not really, but sort of. Was that how the main villain died, was the silo grain, or was it the secondary villain died that way? I think it might have been... Was it the main one? I think it Wasn't Danny Glover the other villain? Right, because weren't they like um, corrupt cops or something? They were. Yeah, no, I think it was Danny. It was Danny Glover, and I think that's how he died. Okay, okay. Was he the main one, or was there another guy that was like, because they were, I I feel like the villains were like a partner gang, right? Like two guys? Yeah, no, the main guy was uh, Joseph Sommer. His character's name was Schaefer. That's funny. (laughs) Uh, Spelled the right way? You recognize him. No, spelled the wrong way. Damn it. Um, Who the fuck puts a C-H-A-E? Anyways, uh, I mean, that guy's been in a ton of things. A ton of movies. Character actor, but yeah. Yeah, okay. It's so good because it's like so non-assuming. That was the first time I saw a movie where the villain was like non-assuming. Like almost like, oh, oh, this guy is someone you can trust. Nope. You can't trust the people you think you can trust. Can't trust anybody in this movie. (laughs) Nope. Mm -hmm. You can't trust anybody but me. Mm. You just... Get yourself a sling blade and chop off their penises. What? <laughs> now, chop off their penises, make little wieners out of them. Does he talk about chopping off penises in the movie, or are you just making that up? I'm just making that <laughs> <Okay>. up. Okay. <laughs> because my then interest was peaked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is this, is, is this what swing blade's all about? Does he go around chopping penises off? <laughs> I chop off penises because I saw the movie. Uh, I spit on your grave, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she chopped off a penis real good in that movie, and then she got some taters. Mm-hmm. She did not get taters in that movie. Did you oh. see that, uh, you know Walmart always has, like, themed DVD sections? Did you see for how, uh, for Valentine's Day, uh, they had a bunch of, like, you know, and then they always make, like, special covers and everything for them with, like, their red and white. Um, yeah. One of them was I Spit on Your Grave. And everyone. That's great. Had a great time with that one online. Nice job. Yeah. Well played, Walmart. They knew what they were doing. You have doing. your moments. You have your moments, Walmart. <laughs> you have your moments. Uh, just like Han Solo. Uh, the <laughs> next day, we see Otis drive up to the gas station in his post office truck. He finds Skeeter in the back working on a car. When Skeeter sees the look in Otis's face, he says... Something's wrong. All Otis says is Philby, and Skeeter takes off running. <laughs> Hazelrig grabs him and says it was an accident. But Skeeter doesn't believe him. Otis says he had a heart attack, and I wouldn't have even put this together. So Skeeter, Skeeter's kind of stopped struggling, and he asks, well, which is it, an accident or a heart attack? And, like, we talked about earlier, it's like they're the ones piecing this together, you know, and that's that's weird. I I. I Again, I think it should have been like D.A. Sam should have been piecing this together, you know? Well, wouldn't you think at this point there's no sheriff at all? It's a D.A., which right. is a little odd because it should be the sheriff uh, investigating this. After the second guy who was involved in this murder is now dead, wouldn't you start being a little bit more investigative? Yeah. At the, but guess not. You think so. Man, this 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 town sucks. <laughs> yes, yes. This town totally sucks. Everyone in this town sucks except for a little girl in a in a in a lawyer. Yep. Yeah, that's it. They're the only good people. Get them out and then send in the tall man. Yep. Uh, so which is you know, which is it? Accident or heart attack? Otis says both. They found him this morning at the bottom of the silo. The grain fell on him. Skeeter breaks free and runs crying, but Otis grabs him again and tells him not to panic. 
Otis tells Skeeter there's no reason to throw it all away now, going to the police, but Skeeter doesn't want to hear it. Otis says it was Bubba, but Skeeter doesn't believe that either. He's dead. We killed him. I was there. He's dead as a post. Otis says Mary Lee told him the other night at the Halloween party, but he didn't believe it. She says she still sees him, Skeeter. It's him. It's always been him. Skeeter is crying and screaming and says, they, they buried him. He's rotting under five yards of ground. But Otis says he's not. He says he'll prove it to Skeeter. And Otis puts his arm around the crying man and leads him out of the garage. Well, this, that, that, this scene confuses me because he spends the first half of it talking about how uh, Philby died from a heart attack and then from the grain and it was an accident. And then he's like, no, it, it was Bubba. Like, well, what is it? Again, yeah. what is it? Right. It, yeah, you're quite you. You're ski. You and I are Skeeter. It's the same thing. It's like, well, which is it? You know. Yeah, I, I'm with you. That dialogue right there, transcribing it and everything, made me sort of realize. I was like, yeah, this isn't the strongest dialogue right here. It's just, it's it's a weak it's a weak moment in the writing. Um, but man, the next scene is wild. <laughs> Well, at this point, I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, go ahead. (laughs) Well, and here's the thing. I don't expect this to happen either. Cut to the local cemetery at night, and Otis and Skeeter are using a lantern to find Bubba's grave. Once they do, they begin digging with shovels and pickaxes. I didn't expect them to, like, dig up his fucking body. We come back from a commercial break. Guys and gals, there are a few times where there is a very obvious commercial break cut. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. But we come back from a commercial break, and Skeeter is on top of the coffin inside the grave. Otis hands him a crowbar and tells him to open it. Skeeter pops the lid but doesn't pull it back. And, again, the guy who plays Skeeter, he does a great fucking job, too. He's, yeah. He stops and says, Mr. Hazelrig, if he's in there... That don't leave nobody but his spirit. Open it, Otis growls. If they do open it, they're desecrating a goddamn grave of this poor kid, guy, man, whatever. Poor man child. Poor man child. Fully mature. He's, he's fully child. mature. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is so horrible. Like, this guy cannot lie. Yeah. He cannot rest. His no wonder his fucking spirit can't rest because they're digging up his goddamn grave now. And I love the fact of how this plays out. So Skeeter throws the lid open and jumps back in horror. We never see what he sees. We find out through dialogue that, you know, and we also can tell it's his body. He's seen his Bubba's bodies there. But I love that we as a viewer never sees that. We fill it in with our head. You know, you know, because you know this this poor guy who's been gunned down several times. You know, oh poor, it's terrible. Yeah. Skeeter screams, "It's him! It's him!" Then climbs. No out- shit, it's him. <laughs> I know. Then climbs out of the grave and takes off running with Otis in hot pursuit. <laughs> Otis finally chases Skeeter down and tackles him. He jumps off of a fucking. And that's a stunt double. You can see it. It's a funny moment. Yeah, and you can tell it's not Charles D- Dern- Durning. He's, he's so he tackle fucking tackles him. It's fucking. I I, I wanted to hear um, uh, Jay yelling from Mallrats. <laughs> what fly fat ass fly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As Charles Dur- Durning goes jumping, fly fat ass fly. 
<laughs> yes. The older man starts beating on the crying idiot as he screams, you promised. <laughs> Skeeter says Jesus through his tears that he didn't have to go out now. They had to get out now. There's no one left to blame but us. <laughs> For God's sakes, the writing's on the wall. He growled. I mean, there, and this is all like one shot too, by the way. He's like yeah. fucking on top of him. Otis is on the ground screaming. Fuck, or, uh, Otis is on top of Skeeter. Skeeter's screaming and kicking and crying. It's it's a it's a scene, man. It's a wild scene. <laughs> it's wild. Otis slams him down and says, "You listen to me. I know who it is. It's her. It's the girl." And now he's just like, I mean, he knew he thought it was Bubba. And now he's like, knows it's the girl. And and at this point, we all know it's like it can't be. Like this is his last thing. Like he's like, it's got to be the girl. Skeeter struggles and he and he says he knows what Otis is thinking and he doesn't want any part of it. Otis starts strangling Skeeter as he's kicking and screaming. Then he kind of stops and holds the weeping moron close and says, You win. We'll do it your way. What are we fighting for? I'm sorry. We'll go to the police if that's what you want. And at that point, I'm like, he's going to kill him. I know he's going to kill Skeeter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The right, that writing's on the wall. <laughs> yes, it is. And meanwhile, the, the, the soot that they have covered on their faces is, like, black yeah. at this point. Yeah. And I'm like, what kind of dirt are they digging in here? Texas tea? Texas tea. Otis helps Skeeter to his feet. We have nothing to hide. The body's right there. But first, we have to cover it up. The two men walk over to the grave. Otis says that they can't leave him like that or else they'd be in real trouble. Yeah, that's what they're in trouble for. Skeeter reluctantly jumps in the hole and closes the coffin shut. He starts reminiscing about, he like does this like soliloquy where he like looks up and he's like reminiscing about hanging out in Arkansas with his cousin as a kid. While his back is turned to Otis, the older man grabs the shovel and bashes Skeeter over the head with it while he's talking. When Otis, this is cool, when Otis pulls the shovel back, Skeeter's hat is kind of stuck to it with blood or brains or something. You know, I mean, again, it's still a TV movie, guys, but that's still a pretty morbid visual. Oh, yeah, it's it's tame gore-wise, but the effect is very shocking. Yeah. He grabs the hat, throws it in the grave, then starts shoveling the dirt, dirt back on top. After the grisly deed is done, Otis climbs back in his truck exhausted. He takes a big swig from the bottle of his whiskey and starts driving home. We see Otis struggle to drive straight as he takes more swigs from the bottle. As he's swerving down the road, he sees Mary Lee standing in the middle in her nightgown. Otis slams on the brakes and gets out of his truck. He yells out for Mary Lee, but she runs into the woods. Otis gets back in his truck and takes off-road after her, but eventually crashes into a tree. He rolls out of the truck and starts chasing her on foot into a field. Mary Lee tries to hide in the front bucket of, uh, of a tractor, but Otis finds her and chases her down the pumpkin patch. He grabs her and yells, It was you! Mary Lee starts screaming, but then all of a sudden the tractor roars to life, and the lights turn on. Otis stares in disbelief, giving Mary Lee an opening to get free and run away. Otis doesn't chase her. He just stands up and looking at the tractor and yells, Who's there? Sam? The front bucket slowly raises up and the teeth open and close. Look, Sam, I know what this looks like, but I can explain. It was her, Sam. It was her all the time. Now we see the most blatant example that the killer is a ghost. When the camera cuts to inside the tractor and no one is there, the gear shift moves forward on its own and the tractor starts rolling towards Otis. Otis screams, Sam! 
as he starts running through the pumpkin patch. And I, so I like where there's one point, he's like, Sam, His like, voice gets real high-pitched, you know? <laughs> the front teeth of the tractor's bucket going up and down, but always st- staying a few steps behind. Otis keeps running and screaming until he runs right into a pitchfork, being held by the scarecrow on the wooden cross. Otis steps back and looks down at his bloody stomach. He falls to his knees and points at the scarecrow, then falls over dead. The camera cranes up to reveal the entire scene of Otis lying on the ground by the scarecrow with the tractor behind him. After a beat, the tractor's lights turn off and we hear a crow calling. And by the way, I I mean, as he was running, I looked at Myra, I go, because again, I don't know what's coming, but I'm like, I hope he runs right into the pitchfork. And I was like, the, the, this ending is so satisfying. It is, but it, on one level for me, it's not for a couple of reasons. One, when he blank, when he's like, it was her all along, right? That's the moment in the movie where you want the antagonist to finally be humiliated and scared to the point where he's confessing the crime himself. Yeah. But he's not. He's still holding on. He's still blaming someone else. So he's like still ultimately a super piece of shit, which I guess, you know, will lead to his downfall. And when he walks into the pitchfork, he's dead finally. Thank God for that. But I wanted to see him get run over slowly by the tractor where his body, like his guts are basically being pushed out of his mouth like a sausage being pushed out of a casing. Especially since they gave us multiple shots of the tractor running over pumpkins. Like, like yeah. it was it was almost it felt padded in the way that all the gnome gnomes watching Mary Lee get, getting mauled or whatever, you know, like yeah. it, just, it, it felt like overdone. But at the same time, you sort of ex- expected it. Part of me is like, I get why they killed him the way they did. It's Charles Durning. It's the main guy. So you want to give him his last breath. But I want to see his last breath for this character, not the actor, this character screaming like a little bitch screaming his head off as he's basically being tortured i would love to see that but we didn't right. so but we got the the sanitized tv ending which i will say if that's all we get i'm satisfied with it and now the the denouement this 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 like two minutes afterwards this is where it fucking in my opinion sticks the landing i'm like oh, oh yeah cool. i agree so cut to mary lee hiding in the pumpkin patch We hear someone walking up to her and even see it from a POV. So we don't see who's walking. We just see the point of view shot. She looks up and it's a cool shot of the scarecrow standing next to her. He kind of like looks normal, even though you're only seeing like a a shot of him from her point of view. But he's like sort of in the pose that you expect. But then all of a sudden his head looks at her like it turns and looks at her. And, And it's clearly like a scarecrow with hay and everything, you know. So it looks down at her and hands her a perfectly picked flower. The same one that that sh- that Mary Lee showed Bubba how to pick without crushing it. So it all comes back to that beginning scene, you know. Mary Lee takes it and says, thank you, Bubba. You know what? Tomorrow I'll teach you a new game. Did I ever show you how to play the chasing game? You'll like it. It's sort of like playing tag. The camera freezes on her hand, taking the flower from Bubba's scarecrow hand, and the credits roll. And that's when I was like, 
in like a minute and a half, this movie completely sticks the landing. And I just love that one shot of his head moving because you can tell that it's not an actor. Somehow it's more of a puppet. So it has this weirdness to it, you know, but I, it's him. The scarecrow's fucking alive. And I think that's, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I did not see the sequel, so no. I'm not familiar with if they revisited um, Bubba's character or if it's a whole new story or what. But uh, I wanted to see 90 more minutes of that of her, last her in, scene in the Scarecrow type of thing. Yeah, yeah, and if this was this, this is perfect for a proper remake or revision now with a comedic twist. It's got to be a comedic twist. I think that was the biggest thing that was lacking for me was the humor. If they made the characters, uh, the, the idiot rednecks, more funny uh, and stupid, then I would have enjoyed it probably more. I, you you touched on something that I didn't even sort of realize during my viewing, which I think is what makes watching this movie it's it's hard because again we talked about we're we're following the the bad guys the entire time so it's draining on us because all we want to do is is see them die because we know like we're Sam we're Sam the DA we know that they're the bad guys but we can't do anything about it one shred one just one shred but I think you're right this movie is completely humorless it, it has no humor to it in, yeah. in in the regard of the bad guys and stuff they are completely pieces of shit and i think you're right maybe a little bit of humor would have like you know uh lessened the fatigue a little bit of, of watching the film yeah yeah i think yeah i think that would have made it more enjoyable overall i didn't dislike the movie at all and i don't want anyone to get the wrong impression luke luke you know i don't but i think my biggest complaint is that you know you're looking at this through the eyes of four dredges of the earth you know uh, bottom feeders to the max and uh <laughs> they get their comeuppance definitely harless got the best death uh, of of all four yeah the most satisfying i would have almost preferred that to be the running theme like uh, a meat grinder or a wood chipper chasing people around <laughs> or something like that that would have been funny i go harless Skeeter, just because I was like, oh, that's brutal, you know, with the hat and everything. Then probably Otis, then Philby is my order. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll, I'll echo that, too. Yeah. I'll echo that, too. I, You know, I think, um, I think at the end of the day, everyone will have more fun listening to us while watching this. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And I'm glad I've seen it now, man. Like, I know it's, it's it's a favorite of a lot of people, so I'm glad that I have the knowledge of this under my belt. And, uh, Luke, I hope you enjoyed it, buddy. Definitely enjoyed watching it. I know you have fond memories of it. And, uh, I mean, like I said, I had a good time watching it. Myra had a good time watching it. But it's just – it's hard to sit through a 90-minute movie when you can't – when you're not rooting for the main characters. You're, you're, you want them to die is what you're waiting for, you know? Yeah, and, and everybody that le- – and and everybody that enjoys this film, uh, let us know on social medias, like what your take is. Why do you enjoy this movie? And I mean that in a sincere way. I don't mean that in like, a, you know, why do you enjoy this movie? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, let us know what it is about this film that has stayed the test time for yeah. you. What, what resonates with you, you know? Yeah. And then uh, let us know how uh, 
what you think of uh, mm-hmm. the sling blade version where I cut him and <laughs> cut his I dick cut off. up their penises and make a necklace <laughs> like uh, Dolph Lundgren did in Universal Soldiers. Mm-hmm. But it's out of, with penises. It's out of penises. <laughs> penises instead of ears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's Universal Soldier, by the way. Love that movie as a kid, man, but I haven't seen it like in fucking 25, 30 years or something. I watched it within the past five years and yeah it's not the same experience i kind of have a a sinking suspicion especially after you know our our cyborg debacle go back and check in season one i have a sinking suspicion that it doesn't hold up that that well but you know what always holds up two dollar lefty baby oh baby so now it's finally uh march and uh now it's finally martial arts madness over at two dollar oh. you guys are dropping an episode every week this month right we are last year we did three episodes i think the year before that might have been three as well uh but this year we're doing four straight episodes four weeks of martial art madness content who, who's the lucky bastard who has to edit all that uh, so we, we divided it up. Oh, it's 50, 50. Yeah, divide yeah. And conquer. Yep. We, we, uh, if, if you follow $2 late fee, you'll know that we dropped our live episode, uh, with Cynthia Rothrock and Don, the dragon Wilson last week. Uh, that'll be our first episode audio version dropped starting for the month of March. Uh, and I'm not, I, I'm not going to say what else is coming up because it's it just gets bigger and better as the month goes on. But Don the Dragon Wilson, Cynthia Rothrock, two legends of martial arts in studio with us. Cynthia put a Kickstarter out in February um, to make this Western that she's always wanted to make. Well, she raised all the money within like three days. And then it's now the it was. At the at the time we're recording this, it's the number one Kickstarter movie on Kickstarter. Nice. It received like an A plus rating, got all the awards that Kickstarter gives to like the top funded film or top funded things. Uh, I'm so happy for her because she's a really cool person. Don is a really cool dude. Anyways, that episode we'll throw some extra audio bonuses into that as well. Uh, but the rest of the month, all month long, is going to be kicking ass. And we got a cool merchandise thing going on with a, a buddy of ours called Preserve Dragons. And, uh, yeah, go to $2 Late Fees Instagram. You can find all about all that good stuff. You guys are definitely showing and growing over there. Oh, my gosh. And cutting off penises. Mm-hmm. And, dude, what are we covering this month on the Carpenter Factor? Memoirs of an Invisible Man. <laughs> I know. The movie that killed Chevy Chase's career <laughs> and well, and kind of hurt John Carpenter's as well. Like I, I've never seen this movie. I remember all the advertising for it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know how to feel right now. <laughs> well, I could say that this starts the downfall of John Carpenter's career, but that is not true because he's got... You'll have to wait and see what our opinion is of Memoirs of an Invisible Man now, because neither of us has watched it yet. We're we're going to this week. Yeah, at this point, we have Uh, not watched it. (laughs) But, you know, moving forward, he's still got, in my opinion, because I'm very familiar with the other ones, uh, some A-list home run hitters. 
but it's gonna get it's a little it's a little rocky road if you will yeah it's not smooth yeah we're getting into the the rockiness uh, as 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 we just left probably the most iconic era of of him of his with last month with um you know they live previous to that was you know uh, prince of darkness and stuff so you know it's 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 we had some great shit behind us, but I'm having a blast even talking about the ones we don't love, you know, and I'm excited to watch memoirs because I've never seen it. I'm going in with a zero expectation. It can only like like impress me in some way, shape or form because I'm expecting it to be complete garbage. But truthfully, the movie I'm most looking forward to is in the mouth of madness. But we have we're a, getting there. We have a few more months. We have a few more months on that one. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll bud. get there. But thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us on the Patreon. Uh, everyone who, you know, signs up and, and we have a very lively uh, uh, Patreon page happening. A lot of comments, a lot of likes, a lot of people chatting and talking and hooplas and going on it's great i love it yeah you know y'all uh who are patrons now are reaping the benefits of uh exclusive content uh exclusive updates on our upcoming movies all that good stuff and you're keeping the lights on for our show so thank you so much for your continued support and for all of you on the fence well uh, hop on over into the pad zone and see what happens give it a little taste yeah a little, little taste, a little, little dabble, do you? <laughs> and I think you'll be hooked. But uh, as we always say, um, you know, if if times are tough money-wise and everything, as, as the middle class is completely disappearing, um, a free way to help out our show, to help out $2 Late Fee, or any other podcast that you listen to, leave a five-star review on whatever podcatcher that you're listening on, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Whatever allows you to rate it, uh, whether it's us, whether it's $2 Lafey or any other podcast, if you listen to a podcast, help them out by giving them a five-star review. It's free, it's easy, and it does a lot more than you probably think it does. It's all algorithms and shit, you know? Yeah, definitely helps. And uh, don't be a notice. <laughs> don't be a fucking Otis. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect, buddy. Perfect way to end it. And as always, mm. we'll get you on the dark side. Mm-hmm. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human. Something always watching. Something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone? Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone. 
a dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook.